Shut up and sit down. One more. You don't have to put up with it for much longer. What were you saying there? You don't have to put up with it for much longer. I don't, you know, some days it's all right. I do want a different song, though. I think it's time. We have one. All right. It's time to come. You you have, you spoke and has been picked. And the great almighty Jess has delivered. Who needs a God when you have Jess? <laughs> Just saying. Oh, <Whoa. laughs> Amen. The original Ruby Snap herself, apparently. <laughs> yeah. She's a prop. That was awesome. <laughs> She's that was a prop. A prop. That's they really ask if you are a prop. Yeah, he they, I was the only person in the store and this guy and lady walked in behind me and there's actually a picture of a girl with like a bandana on um behind their their counter and he looked at me and he goes, Are you the real Ruby Snap? <laughs> and I was like, like I didn't know how to, to respond be because no, because like that, this, this is like a really you do have a, a very like World War Two pinup look today. Look today. Uh, thanks. Um, anyways, and then he asked, he's like, "Are you a prop?" <laughs> and I was like, mm, "No." Are you sure <laughs> but, he wasn't asking if you were like for sale, like a hooker? I, no, I'm pretty <laughs> sure. <laughs> I just, just want to know. I'm no, like, I'm pretty sure he meant so. like, "Are you a mannequin?" Yeah. Hey, he's look. like, "I don't mean to be weird or anything." I was like, "No," I was like, "It's." Was it's he a, a young guy or was he old? No, he was older. Yeah, see, that's the thing. Like <laughs> the girls, the girl, the girl's grandfather called like Cassie's grandfather called her a streetwalker. Like what? he didn't understand like the what that yeah, meant. He totally did. He at, wasn't that old. This at guy Thanksgiving wasn't that dinner, old. <laughs> at Thanksgiving dinner, this is a couple of years ago, but anyway. So I'm just no. saying, old people sometimes he wasn't they that old. <laughs> you don't understand. I mean, anyway, anyway. So. um it's been uh, a busy, it was a busy weekend for me. We did a lot of work on the house. Um, you did more than I did. I, uh, I had to get up. So I learned a lesson. Don't fix sprinklers at 7.30 in the morning on the weekend. Um, well, no, it's like, probably fine if it hadn't been quite so cold. Yeah, if it was like June, but it's May. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little cold. Uh, I was a little frozen uh, by the end, but I, cause I had to dig up a few sprinklers in the yard because they were... One of them had run over by a lawnmower and was finally full of dirt and mud and couldn't move, so I had to dig it up and replace it. And had to fix a couple others and uh, tried to fix the fence. Uh, that was a fiasco. So I got the spikes. The spikes work great. Awesome. Thank you. Um, really cool little device that Jeremy showed us that's uh, just a spike you hammer into the ground and stick your post on it. No concrete, um, no digging holes. So did that. And then got brackets when I got those, and the brackets that I got weren't the same because apparently the brackets that the guy used that made the fence 20-some-odd years ago, they were just uh, regular right-angle brackets that he bent and adjusted and made his own little thing with. So They're probably left over from building his house. Yeah, the, the, fence is, uh, the fence on that side is questionable. Uh, did get some good news, though. The fence on the other side, told you it was coming down. Well, turns out the posts are actually snapping on that one. So it's not even reusable, but the neighbors are going to file a homeowner's claim on it. Um, so, so we only may have to pay a portion of a two, no, a $500 deductible. A third of that deductible because the fence on the other side is coming down. He's like, I haven't made a homeowner's claim in like 20 years, and I've lived here the whole time since the house has been built. I think I can probably claim this and be fine. 
So um, he said, we gotta redo, yeah, we got to redo the whole thing. fence on both sides. So. Cool. And it's definitely wind damage. I mean, the fence is old, but the wind has definitely destroyed it. And speaking of wind, the tree was down. So thank you, Jeremy, for helping us lift that. <laughs> Making sweet, sweet love to that tree. That thing is heavy. Holy shit. Well, it's heavy. a tree, people. <laughs> but did you think it was not going to be heavy? Well, especially with all the leaves. Now, my hope is because tonight it's supposed to get cold and like. You like freeze in the ground? Is that what you're. Well, so that's. No, 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 no. So I'm concerned. So there is a potential for snow in the valleys tomorrow. Um, so winter storm warning is being issued uh, in Utah for tomorrow, for Wednesday, as you people dun, dun, hear dun. tonight. Um, there's a Real Salt Lake game. Of course. You guys are going to have so much fun. This is be we won the last time it snowed, though. Don't forget to take your hand warmer. Be another. I will not. Frozen ass fucking snow. That game. thing stays warm forever. And she wasn't cold. Don't let her. I was cold. She was wearing a My toes were cold. Yeah. You need toe warmers <laughs> what you're going to need. Well, we have some toe warmers. I think I might put them in my shoes this time, just in case it snows enough to... <laughs> so anyway, so it's going to be cold, and I planted all the squash, like we talked about last week, and now I'm worried that they're going to freaking freeze. So I'm going to Jeremy seems pretty confident that you're going to be good, but I think we should still put a tarp it on it. It won't hurt to cover it. There's no harm in We have that ginormous tarp your stuff? <sighs> The stuff that's in the ground, no, like the potatoes and stuff, they're going to be fine. The stuff that's starting to sprout, it wouldn't hurt to cover it. Well, see, my stuff's not starting to sprout. It's not out of the ground yet. See, if it's, if it's one cold day, it's not going to be enough to make the permafrost, and that's what kills it underneath. Okay, so if there's no leaves If nothing's up, coming up and you have one cold day, you should be okay. So I should be fine to not even bother covering oh, it. Oh, so maybe you'll be okay yet. too, Jess. Are any of your no, sprouting? she's got maybe. sprouts, don't you? Well, she did starts too. Yeah, you I did starts see indoors. So I so was wondering with, with cover your starts maybe with your garden, Jess, and and now we're back to farm talk again <laughs> on the new <laughs> Utah. By the way, it is the new Utah podcast, and this is episode this 51. is episode fifty one. <gasps> we're almost there. <gasps> no. um, but back to farm talk. So <laughs> <laughs> I was looking at the pictures that you posted of that your uh, of your stuff. Yeah, <laughs> thanks, Jeremy. <laughs> thanks, Pig. <laughs> Old she McDonald's. didn't even get a name. That'll do, Pig. Like, no. Thanks, Pig. <laughs> That'll do, Pig. That'll do. That'll do. That'll I do, do a donkey. Good, I do a pretty good pig, though. See, that's the thing. Like everyone goes, "That'll do, donkey," and they think that's where it originated. But no, it didn't. no, it's from it's from Babe. babe. It's That'll do, Pig. That's why it's so funny because he. That's yeah, but, where he took it from. But people don't. A lot of people don't know that. Different they just generation. Go, That'll do, donkey. I'm like, that's funny because. Anyway. <laughs> so I saw your pictures, <laughs> and so I'm reading the instructions on the seed packets, and I'm kind of talking to Jeremy, who's got a lot of experience. And, and both of you are like, she's bonkers. What no, the I'm hell like, is she doing? No, no, no. I'm like, I don't because I look. You'll hear me say this in our interview. I'm not a horticulturist. Uh, I know nothing about plants. I am amazed that I have rose bushes that look as good as they do because I don't fucking touch them except once a year. I know, year. and it makes me mad. Um, <laughs> but I see like these boxes, and maybe the picture just doesn't do the size justice. But I'm it like, doesn't. She was telling me how big they were. I thought they were little, like, and they're how not. How the fuck does she fit all that in these little boxes? It's, they're not as little garden as they're... magic. No, how big are they? Oh, I don't know. I only have one. How big is it? I have one garden box. It goes over... I don't know. I can measure it for you. Let you know. <laughs> we, were, we were measuring in the kitchen with our arms, and it took both of us. So it's 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 big enough. But to only do. half of me. Is it as big as my little side garden there, where the tree stump is? I honestly, World stumpy is. yeah, it's. I could take a maybe not quite as big from what you were describing, but but 
pretty I don't big. Know. I was cautious, and I spaced ship pretty far out because it said to. So I don't because every but, time I do, then it's sparse, and I'm I was like, gonna what say, the you've, hell? You've done I'm this just a gonna bunch, so. throw everything. You're like, in I'll put a bunch of shit in, in, and I'll pick plants out that I don't. It's very want. organized. <laughs> oh, it's definitely organized. Like, and I saw your little drawings, and like, I don't even know after that. So. Anyway. They tried to tell me where everything was in the garden. I already forgot. My other spaces are like four by four. So I usually trellis either cantaloupe or watermelon, but this year I'm not. So. You put them on a trellis? Yep. The biggest ass fucking thing that you can grow yeah. pretty much on a trellis. Yeah. The fruit stays round it's that amazing. way. It's mm-hmm. amazing. Really? And then yep. the bugs don't get it I, typically. It doesn't I love trellising my cantaloupes and I've trellised honeydew melons. It's awesome. Out your bedroom window? No. Out your kitchen window? garden. No, I'm just my kid, I don't have a window in my ra- kitchen. You just raise them up in your garden. Um, so, um, Jeremy, how are your bees going to survive? I think okay? they're going to be okay. Um, Hopefully there's not another wasp attack. I think they're going to be okay. I checked them again this Sunday, so they've been in for almost two, a little over two weeks, and they've probably not quite doubled in size, but close. So the oh, colony's wow. almost big. doubled from so what like it was. So like close to 10,000 now. So it, so I'm, I'm hoping and I'm thinking there's enough of them. Plus, I have three openings for mine, and I've got two of them covered. And if it gets cold enough, they'll cover that opening up pretty quick. Yeah, that's what you were saying. So before. I think we'll be okay for one cold day. Can you put like a like an anti wasp bug zapper on the opening for them, like a laser beam? Because <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't affect them at all. Bees with freaking laser beams. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> when they're doing their job, the the patrol bees that that, that there's there's a half a dozen patrol bees, and that's their job. They're right by the opening, and every single bee that comes in, they check them. They're like, you smell like our queen? Yep. Fuck you, get And out. if they We're don't, they kill it and or push it out, whatever it needs to be. Usually just kill it. So there's always a pile of dead wasps and oddball things at right the, at the bottom. <laughs> like just at the, flies uh, on the inside or on the outside? Just on the outside. Uh, spiders, aphids, oh, that's grasshoppers, cool. something that tries to wander in there. Oh, yeah, they'll kill its ass. That is awesome. Ebo. <laughs> Ebo. Oh, he's already been stung, by the way. <laughs> he's, he's so dumb. Like, how are you? Dogs are just that way. I just want you to know that. Stupid. He's like, every time I go over to this thing and check it out, I get fucking stung. I'm just going to walk over okay, there it's, it's like Cassie's been telling us. So our, our daughter is working at, at a PetSmart hotel, and she says, I would much rather work in the big dog area and pull them apart from fighting than work with the stupid little dogs because the little dogs are so dumb. Yeah, they just fucking... <laughs> so yeah, he'll get stung and then he'll, usually, he'll be good for two or three months before he messes with it again. But Stupid ass dog. But trust me, he'll he'll mess with it again. It's because he goes up there and he's sniffing right where they're coming out and he's... How does well, he reach up that high? Well, he, he can't quite reach it, but he's up there messing around, and that's the one spot, because I've got the window. You can open up the little door. You can look in the window. Yeah, because I've been over by it. I never get stuck. The dog is not going to open the window. <laughs> My point is, short. as long as you don't stick your <laughs> Doesn't finger. Doesn't have any thumbs. The dog is like freaking a f- half an inch off the ground, and he's <laughs> fat as shit. I think his little penis probably drags on the it ground does. a little yeah, bit. <laughs> so the thing shoot. is, as long as you don't stick your finger in the opening... You're fine. You mess with that opening, and that's. I wonder if he thinks that's a doggy bum hole. That's what happens when you stick with. That's gross. Well, he's he's probably (laughs) like, hey, look, this is the hole for this little this little thing, and I need to sniff it because that's what you do to doggies. Holy shit! What? (laughs) He's a little dog. I don't think he recognizes that it's the size of a butthole. It's pretty. How do you know? You don't know. Are you in his head? I'm not. I'm not. (laughs) 
And if I was, I probably wouldn't be fucking with the bees Just every year and getting away. stung over and Maybe over and over. They're like gonna be nice bees. I don't know. Maybe. There's hope. Yeah, like the whole like the whole clan of chickens is nice. By the way, thanks for the eggs, Jeremy. Finally, after <laughs> Jessica, I <laughs> know where I stand. I said I've been asking for eggs for over two years. So you've years. got what another year to go? Yeah. At least. So for our two-year anniversary, we'll bring everybody eggs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll make omelets. Uh, I'm going to tell you how the omelets turn out tomorrow, because I'm going to make one with those eggs. Um, I'm excited to have them. Okay, well, um, Cassie will be home, and she might... She might, might eat some. She might. Uh, anyway, okay, so... And uh, our daughter... Now both of our daughters have jobs. Like, I'm yeah. so excited. I can't even believe it. So we have a, a great long interview, actually, with Alan Scott, one of the owners of Water Pocket Distillery, uh, a new Utah-based distillery that will be open in about two weeks, uh, selling really fucking fantastic-sounding spirits. Um, not your typical bullshit, just plain old vodka-type stuff. So um. <laughs> That's in quotes. Shut up about uh, vodka. Oh, just because you three are all whiskey freaks. But uh, you, you, I think, Whiskey stay tuned freak. for that. It's, you, you're going to be happy. Um, freaky, freaky. Hell. <laughs> so uh, what, what's going on? So Jeremy and I should not be left. Mother's Day came together. and went, and I will say this: I'm a, I'm a little sad. I'm a lot sad. Um, my grandma spent Mother's Day in the hospital in ICU. She had a gallon and a half pumped out of her lungs of fluid pumped out of her lungs Yikes. on Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to my grandmother. Well, at least after that, though, she got up and was walking around. Yeah, so she's much better now. But the pneumonia, she, I'm assuming, then? Yeah, or? they also found stage four cancer in her lungs. Oh. So we'll see. My grandma's pretty old, though. Um, she's been a smoker her whole life. So, And my grandpa died of cancer 15 years ago or so. So um, she's lived a long life, and if it's her time, it's her time. But uh, uh, So Mother's Day came and went, um, and then... Uh, that was it. So and what else? Tuesday. My uh, yeah. my daughter gave me a Build-A-Bear bunny, and my other daughter decided to name it Jeff. And if any of you recall, my boss's, boss's name, is, name Jeff. is Jeff. Hey, and I one said, of my boss's name is Jeff, too. I said, I can't have a bunny that I have in my bed named Jeff, so we, we renamed it. But last night... I called it Jeff. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, Jeff, get out of the way. You're in my way. I'm trying... <laughs> I was it, like, no, no, Is it no, by the no, little no. angel I gave you? <laughs> <laughs> no, that's on the very top of our headboard. That's over by Chris. That still thing trying is to give not, that candle a blowjob. <laughs> that thing does not come on my side it, of the bed. It moves. Its head moves, doesn't it? Dust it, like, it every week. It like follows you around the room. I, I still, you know, I still think the best one that you found was a taxidermied frog holding the. So, saxophone. for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, we do. <laughs> We have a, a friend uh, Christmas party every year. It's an ugly sweater party. We did it before ugly sweaters started to become cool again. So I'm kind Six of, years? It's been up for a long time. Six, something like that. So we do a white elephant exchange, and it's not your typical white elephant exchange. The goal of this white elephant exchange, and you can always tell who the new people are that are invited to the party. Because they, they bring, bring gift shit. cards. Because they bring like, <laughs> you know, fucking action figures or cool comics that they had the, lying around. Yeah. No, no, no. Our white elephant exchange is something that starts... Um, basically the minute we find our gifts for the previous year. Um, the whole goal is to find the most fucked up <laughs> thing that you can find. So some of the stuff that we found, um, so the creepiest elf I've ever seen in my life, we got once. Um, we, we took once. Uh, Jeremy uh, has donated some of the best because he goes to Savers like 500 times a week. <laughs> uh, so a taxidermied frog whose feet are nailed to the board 
and whose hands are nailed to the, the saxophone, saxophone and the sombrero is nailed, nailed to its head. It is legit an actual toad that has been taxidermied. <laughs> so it's not like a like plot. No, it's a fucking real frog that got taxidermied. Um, I got the most racist sign I've ever seen in my <laughs> life from Jeremy last year. Uh, love to end up with that shit. Uh, what are some of the other? Oh, the haunted shadow box. That yeah. Had like freaking band The haunted doll that sleeps above it. your yeah, head. Yeah, the haunted doll above your head. So the haunted doll that sleeps above my head. We, uh, we got the really cool the wagon, uh, lamp. Wa- wagon lamp yep, that's yep. out in the garage. Now you'll have an office again, and so you can take it to the office again. And, uh, um, yeah, so we, we really, everyone tries to outdo each other. We did the, the perfect fish. wife. I got the oh, fish. Yeah. I got your fish a couple years ago. Yeah, the crazy, like someone made this like, Ceramic, ceramic art, multicolored fish, and painted it um, with our eyes closed. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird. Um, it's like, so why anyway. do you donate these things, people? Like these should be things that go in the trash. What's great is they donate them to the DI, and then the DI sells them. Well, it's not just the DI. No, well, it's just like the shadow box. When I purchased that, the lady up front is like. Did you get that here? It's yeah, like, like, no, I brought it in and now I'm trying to pay for it. Yeah. Brought in my own stuff to pay for it. Yes, I got it here. It was <laughs> on the shelf. <laughs> All right. So anyway, uh, Jess, events. What's going on this week and next week? Sure. Uh, some events that we talked about last week that are finally here. The Lantern Festival out at Twila Motorsports is happening on the 20th. Uh, if you want to go... Uh, Fill a really cool thing with fire and watch it fly up into the sky. <laughs> the that the is price of admission, place. they give you the lantern for the price of admission, correct? Um, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. so if you want to you know, set fire to the no, neighborhoods. you're not going to do that. It's not bringing I you on lantern. I think it would be really cool. B- I, B-Y-O-L. Don't light these inside your house. Yeah, don't do, <laughs> don't do it at home. Go to these like sanctioned events. Uh, my neighbor set my yard on fire before, so. With the firework. I tried to set my own house on fire once. We had to run and go get the hose and everything. Uh, Zubru um, is not starting this week. I'm just reminding if you haven't called, um, they probably already You're sold probably out. You're probably SOL. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but just in case, you can check. Maybe somebody is selling a admission on KSL or something like that. A bootleg ticket out front. Yeah. I um, tickets. Five Chubby's down in Saratoga Springs is having their crawfish boil. Which oh, we're talking yeah. About. We're talk about that. Yes. Uh, they are bringing in hundreds of pounds crawfish from louisiana where there are alligators there are alligators they're selling them yeah our guest today will confirm that yes very <laughs> so have you ever had confirmed. a crawfish jess no oh they're so good they are good i haven't had one in a long time you just like just suck like them that. out of their bodies yeah pretty much <laughs> like suck them right out of their bodies that's a good sound. Uh, I hope that sounds really good coming back. Probably. <laughs> um, I'm mentioning this again, even though it's not till the 24th, which is next Wednesday. Uh, Mountain West is doing their new release of their new cider, the Desolation Prickly Pear. I'm excited for that It's one. very exciting. Uh, they're doing an event from 5 to 8 at their uh, cidery. And it's $5 and it's, per drink ticket. It's Jen, right? She's our... Yep. She's so yep, cool. She's so nice. Yes, and then something which I'm a dork and totally forgot to bring up last week is one of my most favorite events that kind of kick off the festival season for the summer is the Living Traditions Festival, Oh yeah, which happens down at the City Hall in Salt Lake City, and it goes from Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, 
and basically just a huge festival of countries all over the world, uh, dancers, artists, food, some of the food mm-hmm. from Africa. There's Basque. Basque makes f- some of the best little, like, donut sticks ever. Uh, Chinese, Thai, Peruvian, soul food. food. Um, some of the dancers, mm-hmm. Scottish. There's going to be Native American. Chinda will be there with his... Oh, uh, yeah, with his group. With his with Cambodian the, dancers. the Cambodian dancers. Okay, so yeah. I got to say something since you're talking about amazing food. We had Bumblebee on. Was it last week we had him two on two weeks ago? So we did go last Saturday to Bumblebee Grill down in, in Midvale. Um, and we had the, what the hell's the name of the pancake? It's a hoduk. A hoduk, yeah. yeah. Mm. Uh, we, oh my god, like it's, it's awesome, huh? Let me be clear. They don't need to fucking put ice cream on that. <laughs> I know <laughs> it it's good so by itself. Good. Is it a pan? Can't yeah, it's, a pan? it's like a pan. It's, it's, like, a, a it's like the texture of a churro, though. Yeah. Like it's it's more tough. It's hmm. more. It's a little bit more chewy. Maybe a thick crepe. Maybe it's it's hmm. more eggy than a regular pancake would be, like because a regular pancake is like it, it stands up to the ice cream. Because like when yeah. he, he was talking about a pancake, yeah, with it doesn't ice cream, melt. It doesn't I was thinking soggy. to myself it would be soggy, huh. no. but it's so not. It doesn't oh like God, soak up really the. Good. Yeah, it was you know what so else good. is good? A bulgogi gogi. Mm. Yes, bulgogi is delicious. But God, I like the pork. So uh, yeah. I love uh, the bread they use. Oh, I had a. I think I had a KP spicy, not a bulgogi gogi. Yeah, you did. So my favorite is when they bring noodles. They do it at their store too, but I always forget to go to the store because I always go to the food truck. But occasionally they'll bring out noodles and the mix of the noodles and the kimchi and the way they melt the cheese with the meat, it's yeah. amazing. That's good so food. Anyway, okay. Didn't mean to interrupt your events, but no, I didn't you're want good. to talk about Because I'm just going to talk um, next weekend is uh, Memorial Day weekend. So there's a lot of events that are going on all around the state. Um, if you like to do that, we, it was always a big deal in my family. Yeah. Um, did you guys know that Ephraim is Utah's heart of Scandinavia? I did not I had know no that. idea. I Who believe knew? I've, I I've believe been, I've no, don't that. even say that you know, nobody I've been knew. to Ephraim and I hate it there. So, <laughs> so <laughs> it's not like a top destination Well, Next weekend is the Scandi- Scandinavian days. In so Ephraim. can you go get like gefilka fish? Probably. I was going to say the fish. That shitty like gross salted cod that they have in Scandinavia. Don't they suck it in lye? Ew. <laughs> no, I'm not no, seriously. I'm, I'm but, serious. Well, I don't know. They have, they have like the, some of the food they'll have. I'm not really but. surprised because Ephraim is like one of the whitest fucking cities ever. On the face of the planet. Says the blonde haired blue eyed man. It's true. But I mean. <laughs> It's all right. He can say that. To be clear, Utah is pretty Scandinavian. So So another cool event. It's only an hour long, but on the 25th up at Hill Air Force Base, the library, they're doing a history of Hill Air Force Base um, class workshop (laughs) thing. I don't know what it would be called from 530 to 630. And it not only does it talk about the base, but it talks about also like Wendover um, because they have um, a, a small little base out there. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of artifacts like Donner Party artifacts and stuff like that that they'll be discussing. It's yeah, a really cool event. It's cool. And their, their museum up at Hill Air Force Base is really cool too. I it mean, is cool. And and if, you, if you've never been up there, it's really worth the trip to go see some of that stuff. So that's my events. Cool. Yeah. Cool. And the 18th is the last day for pre-sales for the 
discount on uh, Comic Con tickets. That's true. Thursday. Oh yeah, tomorrow, today, whatever day. Thursday the eighteenth. They're having the, uh, the press conference. They yeah. just announced. Did you know, did you see who they announced uh-uh. today? Biff. Yeah, Biff. Biff from Back to the Future. Okay, so, <laughs> so far, I mean, they're bigger actors, but so far, they're not winning my. Michael Rooker's probably Michael Rooker. the most. I'm, he's the best panel I've been to. Well, I've he's he's probably say. the most. But can I tell you? Look. I, you know, we'll probably never go as press, and, and even if we do, it doesn't mean I'm not going to say this. Uh, I'm kind of wishing I didn't go to Fanex. Yep. Because, you know, we like to get VIP passes when we go. Uh, and the reason we do that is not because we think we're that awesome, but we go to do panels. Right. Like we do, and not like sit in the freaking grand ballroom, but go from panel to panel to panel. Like we like the little ones, the the, the little ones. That's why I've yeah. always done VIP. So yeah, so we'll do you know six, seven, eight panels in a day, and really just bounce from panel to panel to panel. Uh, and we've gotten really good at identifying which panels are going to be really good and which ones will be subpar. So Fanex was garbage when it came to panels. Their panels and were so our VIP yeah. was a waste. Yeah, of so money. we wasted. Gold was a waste. Yeah, too. so we wasted. Well, if all you're money. doing is walking the floor. You can do that in one day. You don't need a VIP pass. Well, in yeah, all weekend. <laughs> no, Not and so my now, and I. <laughs> now comes Comic Con where you really want to have that VIP pass because they're going to have all the panels. And they're going to have more panels, but but we're like. <sighs> It's hard to make so that commitment because the difference between a VIP and a regular pass is like four times price. Yeah. And there, it's weird because they offered all of these really amazing things for FanX, like two autograph opportunities. Yeah, if and you it's one dollars photo op voucher now. Yeah. And the same the shirt. Dates. And uh, it's in September. Yeah. Late September. So I don't know. We're, we're really struggling with if we're going to buy tickets at all. Like and if I, we do, will we spring for a VIP? I want to go, but at the same time, like... Yeah, but you can do it on a multi-pass. Yeah, but at the same time, I'm like... Or on but if a you're, day, if you're or Friday. If you're bouncing, though, between panels, it's really sometimes hard. it's hard to get in. Because the big panels, way especially get in. once you get into Friday night and Saturday. See, you just answered your own question. Get the VIP. If you're going to go, get the VIP. Yeah, so that's the decision basically. Is are you because um, go? I don't because gold is not they're really separating gold from VIP. Now. If they if they actually do what they say they're going to do, which is actually make VIP VIP, then it would probably be worth it, and I probably wouldn't regret it. But this last Fan X, just the whole time, I'm like, it we could have done sense. everything we did for a third of the cost. I think I spent my whole entire time on the floor. Looking at artists. Yeah, cool well, and I do a lot. I mean, we schedule time specifically to go look primarily at Artist Alley and to talk to some of the authors. Um, and we usually buy books and we buy artwork. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I'm and sorry. Candy. I'm sorry, vendors candy, yeah. that have, and beer. I buy a lot of beer, unfortunately. And I'm sorry, vendors that sell bullshit art that they say they made, not art, but like trinkets and jewelry they say they made themselves that I've seen at four other <laughs> fucking necklaces. Or the, just right around the corner. Yeah, like the guy next to you has the exact same shit. I know you didn't make that. The dude that claims he makes all the superhero rings himself. Yeah, I've been to your website and I've been to four others that sell the same thing for less. So I'm not a fan of those vendors, but uh, I, I do like the artists. Like that's a real big reason I go. There's I a lot of cool. Buy from the same artists, and then I've got a couple others. There's a lot of cool local artists. Though. So anyway, I'm struggling with that decision. We have two days left to make it, and uh, 
it's just it's a lot of money. It's a lot of money. It's um, four people, and so yeah. And your kids have jobs. Well, they, <laughs> to be fair, they just got them. So well, well, Sean hasn't family. even worked yeah. for a day yet. So, so, but I, so I don't know. We'll we'll see what. Maybe happens. this is the time to let them make the decision, and then well, if they want tickets, then they can buy them. Well, and Sean, Sean is the least geeky of all of us. Like and Sean might not even go. Yeah, like, like in the last couple, she's been like. I want to leave at one o'clock on Saturday. I'm like, we did not fucking spend all this money on a ticket so you could just come for two hours and then leave with your friends. <clears throat> and that's it's another uh, Comic Con with a, a game, and so we won't be there at the very very Maybe end just on the Saturday two of you go again. This time. Well, I think Cass would be disappointed. She really likes going, um, but eliminating one ticket would be helpful. Yeah, but she may not be able to come up. She may be doing something. But I. I am almost 100% for sure I won't go to another Fanex. So, um, I just don't know if I can do it. If I do, it will be just a multi-pass. Yeah. So we're going to do an abbreviated news. We're going to talk about a, a, few, a few things. We, kinda, we already talked about one. We talked about the weather. Um, and that is a news story because here it is uh, mid-May and we're going to drop below What's the news guy on the snow. Muppets? That news guy on the Muppets. The news guy. Donald Trump. No, on the Muppets. Muppet, there's the guy that does right? the news. Donald Trump. On the Muppet show, the old Muppet show. There's the guy that oh, does the eagle Errol, guy? Eagle, yeah, Errol the Eagle. Yeah, he's not. No, he, he doesn't. Does, does he do news? No, there's a does. guy that does the news. and I thought it was the eagle yeah, guy. Oh, eagle. no. Great eagle. We'll figure this out. Start okay. talking about sorry, the weather. Sorry, sorry, sorry. I want right, to be that well, guy. That was my point. And first of all, this is not abnormal. This has happened before. We've had snow in June. Look, we have had snow in June. I'm not going to say we haven't, but... It does. It. I mean, that's Utah weather for you. So it'll be seventy, and then it drops to freezing, and then goes back up to seventy. Well, like last Friday when we're cleaning our office, it's like in the eighties, and there's no relief. Like you're moving <laughs> crap around, and now this Friday, it's like cold. Well, and then Saturday, I dropped almost twenty degrees. So on well, the day before I got my bees, we had an inch and a half of snow. Yeah, exactly. And my trees fell down. Yeah. So I went to pick up Sean from her boyfriend's house, <clears throat> and her dad walked out, and he's like, "So." What do you think about Wednesday? And I said, I'm pretending Wednesday doesn't exist. Because <laughs> he lives up on South Mountain, so I imagine uh, he'll be getting a lot. So um, part of the weather is flooding. Um, when it gets hot, we get quick snowpack melt, and then it gets cold. My um, weather app keeps flushing flood warning. I got yeah. one for Eagle Mountain. We don't even have rivers in Eagle Mountain. doesn't matter. <laughs> you still have flash floods, like... It's still possible. If it pours, you can still have a flash flood. It wasn't even raining. If the ground is not capable of soaking up water properly, like out in a desert. So that's what happens in in like Capitol Reef and stuff like that. Um, So anyway, the Provo River Trail has been closed at Canyon Glen Park due to flooding. The river there is starting to undercut the trail. uh, And so they're probably going to have to... And people are idiots. They are not staying out of it. They are being cited for yeah, crossing the yellow line. They, they are. And um, it's because Bridal Veil Falls is up there. And that's actually already slated to dem- demolish. Well, no, but they're stuff. telling them not to go on the trail because the, ri- the river is going so fast. Yeah, it's going so fast. And the trail's and right being next under, to it. The trail's being undercut by it, which at any point the trail can just give and you're done. You're washed down the Provo River and it ain't like tubing in the summer. So. The newsman. That guy, by the That's way. That's what his name is. News the Newsman. His name is the Newsman. How the fuck did you pull that thing out? Uh, I have it on uh, mine, too. Because I watched the Muppet Show when I was a kid. <laughs> yeah, well, there's like 1983 See? Muppet Show. 
Yeah, the old Muppet show. Actually, when did you too. think the Muppets was on? No, I watched it too, but I don't remember the news guy. I do. I just remember the two he's guys. He's very dressed, very seventies. He's probably pretty the, the, And then the eagle guy get, did take over, but but it was made to look like the BBC's news. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Okay, back to the news. Muppets. I'm gonna write down Muppet news guy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, considering our friend Alan is is uh, oh yeah, you know he works for some of the local stations. Um, Maybe we can find a meme of him. But I, I there do, were 120 episodes of the Muppet Show. Yeah, I do think the uh, episode title is probably going to be uh, Shark Penis Whiskey, though. It was <laughs> it's, it's snake dude, penis. snake penis. You know what? what you were watching the Muppets in reruns because you weren't even born when the Muppets was done. You were the even run a was in anyone's eye. <clears throat> the run was seventy six to March of eighty of nineteen eighty one, and you weren't born until July. Well, so I, I was watching reruns, but I did watch a lot of. The okay, Muppet but show. my point is, Jeremy was like watching that shit firsthand. That was that was like new stuff no, when I was watching it. That was Jeremy watching that shit when he was three. He does not fucking remember what he watched when he was three. <laughs> um, he was already one when the very first episode came out. Yeah. Exactly. There he doesn't remember what happened then. There's no way. <laughs> I remember the news guy. Anyway, moving along. <laughs> Clearly. I'm sure it was from when you were that young. Um, it had a lasting impression. So we, uh, Utah, sometimes. It's the Muppet Show tonight. Sometimes. <laughs> so speaking of Muppets, um, did you know that Utah is one of two states that is not complying with federal re- re- regulations for prisons? Really? What a that shock. was your segue? That's, that's my segue. Wow. I'm going to go from Muppets to prison rape. Bam. What a shock. Uh, well, I guess if you're sticking your hand up a, mu- a Muppet's behind. No, it's not the same. Um, so that's not good. That's not good. One of two states. One of two, yeah. And who, what's the other one? It's like Arkansas or something. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> yes, Utah and Arkansas. Yeah, yeah. Even Idaho, Alaska, and Texas are on board here. Some of the reddest <laughs> states in the nation. So. Well, and it means that we can't do any of the re- federal reporting to compare what our rates are. So they're saying it's because ours are better. Well, just show me proof. Our so rape is better? What? To, to no, be like fair, our rates for, keep, for reduction. Oh, our rates are better. Governor I thought you were saying our rape is better. Sorry, like, guys. My, Governor <laughs> Herbert has My breathing said is the, making my voice the hard The Priya, the Prison Rape Elimination Act, they have started to finally implement most of those policies. So hopefully we'll be in compliance soon. But uh, prison rape's a real thing. It's not just a joke. It does happen. It's really bad. Um well, what's sad is most of these people have been traumatized before they go like into I, jail. I'm willing to bet if you get thrown in jail in Saudi Arabia, you're not worried about getting raped. I mean, you're worried about getting stoned for flipping off a woman in public. But or killed. Yeah, but probably not getting raped. So, anyway. Um, more Ace of Base. Oh, yeah. Keeping in the background. Um, somebody, I think he's still dancing to the Muppet Show. Didn't one of our guests say their one thing was Memory Grove? Yeah. Um, Derek did. Derek. Yeah. And I kind of made fun of him because Memory Grove is where all the kids go to play sword fights and I vampires go. I actually don't think that you made fun of him, but you just did. I so. did talk about it. I don't know. Memory Grove is... Uh, so Memory Grove's really cool. If you've never been there, it's really cool. Just don't go late on a Friday night. I went there to... I went to a wedding there. Isn't once. Memory Grove where they have the hill that it feels like you're going down, but you're going up? Yes, no, never mind. I've never been drunk while there. It's the Muppet so Show sure. tonight. <laughs> I understand. I've never been to Memory Grove. Gravity Hill. It's, it's Gravity really Hill. I'm thinking. Memory of. Grove is a really cool place, and it's just out. I mean, it's like downtown Salt Lake, basically. It's, uh, um, well, it's just proof, more proof that 
our nature is so close because we're just right up on the side of the mountain. Yeah. So anyway, so um, a group of uh, 200 volunteers last Saturday uh, cleaned it up. The mayor was there. Um, Jackie. Which is a big deal because Memory Grove is used by a ton of people. When I talk about like goth kids and people playing swords and pretending to be vampires in the park. Maybe they're real ones. I mean, that's legit. They, they could be. I mean, there there could be some sort of virgin sacrifice going drink on. Your blood. Um, but, <laughs> you know, all those people, most of them are good, but there are some bad eggs and assholes that leave trash lying around. So Bad yeah. eggs and yeah. assholes. <laughs> that should be <laughs> Bad eggs and assholes. You know, you should be, like, using searchable terms. Like bad eggs and assholes? No. Hashtag bad eggs. Hashtags assholes. Like that? <laughs> like what, sir? We'll talk on it. We'll talk out there about it. Um, this is why we are not in charge. Uh, so we talked about this. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, maybe it was a couple months ago. So there is yet another proposal for the Cottonwood Mall site. So when you talk about outdoors and nature, there is a big open pit. Oh, weeds. Um, That's outdoors in nature. <laughs> yeah, across from a now defunct training table. I told you I was there the last day. The and last bit came down. It was sad. See, I don't think it was sad because that mall sucked. Uh, it had that really cool like hippie store in it that had. I don't remember shirts. ever going into that store. Hot topic. No mall. hot topic. Hot. No. Hot topic it, has no, band shirts. I know they do. Was but it, it was like Grateful like original... Dead and Fish shirts? No. Way way back, a... the Tinderbox was in there. Like yeah. way back. That's true. Yeah, you guys are talking. I mean, look, the mall hasn't been there in like over 10 years. And it is a giant eyesore, and they need to do something with that land. So the Macy's n- is leaving, so it's, it's I gone. Macy's is gone. It's been gone it's for, been gone like for at a least while. a year or something. Yeah, it's been gone. Yeah, it's so gone. Um, that area desperately needs something. And in the midst of a housing crisis, one of the proposals is to put a bunch of like a. 70, Ivory Homes wants to build in there. Yeah, like a 70 30 mix which i think is probably the right thing to do it'd be a good place for some residential housing um so utah part of the amazingness of utah hill we did talk about hill air force base a little bit in events um so rob bishop one of our congressmen says the f-35 is pretty secure here in utah so the f-35s we've talked about on this show we've talked about on our misty case snow podcast that we did tobacco has talked about it Tobacco's talked about it. Look, it, it's a total failure in terms of spending, but it's not going away. It doesn't look like it's going away. And the truth is, it it Why provides a lot of jobs. Why would we want them to go away? They're awesome. Well, and so yeah, for the state of Utah, um, it's going to bring about five hundred. It brings about five hundred jobs here. So we will get a squadron of F thirty fives on Hill Air Force Base. Um, and I've said for many years, part of having Hatch where he's at in Congress. I'm I'm fairly confident he's a good reason that the Air Force Base did not get closed when all the base closures were happening in the 90s. For, for some of the things that I strongly disagree with him, I will admit that is one of the things that he fought for, and he fought for Utah. And I've the, seen this plane fly. It's pretty awesome. Oh, it's and pretty I've cool. seen it fly at really low speeds because it was pacing a, um, a P... P- Something Mustang that I can never remember the numbers, but it was amazing P-52 to see. Mustang? It was amazing. Yeah, I think so. It was amazing to see them side by side. Yeah, it's a it's a cool piece of equipment. It was a little overcosted, I think. So we, at one time we were a refueling unit. Are we still, or is that we're a repair? repair. Yeah, we're primarily because at one time we were a refueling. We unit. repair everything. Everything comes through. But we do have for a, repairs. a squadron that stays here. 
that will stay here permanently. Um, well, permanent is always a thing in the military, but if it's um, broken, it comes here. Other Enjoy. cool stuff about Utah. We talk about this all the time. So part of why Utah has a housing shortage is we are bringing jobs. There is a medical device company. Um, what the hell is the name of it? Biometrics, right? What's it called? Yeah, Biomeric. Biomeric. Yeah. Biomeric. So Biomeric is bringing a new production facility here. Um, that's looking to accommodate roughly 600 employees, so about 380 new jobs initially. Um, $38.5 million investment over the next uh, eight years. Um, so biotech company um, that's going to be making medical devices. They primarily do cardiac devices, uh, cardiovascular stuff. And since Utah's awesome. led the way in cardiovascular. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's just it. We've talked about a lot of the stuff that we've done, especially Intermountain uh, has done recently. Uh, with cardiovascular stuff, some other innovations. This is awesome. This is, I mean, this, <laughs> this is, is a really totally cool. Maybe we should let Jess talk about this. One. Yeah, go ahead, Jess. <laughs> what? Because it's rice. Because uh, you're a woman. <laughs> awesome. I don't. Why can't Bree talk about it? Because I don't do this anymore. Yeah, Bree. I don't. Had a I don't mess with this stuff. No, I. Uh, um, I she can't. Yeah. All right, I'll talk about Bree's, it. No. Bree's <laughs> oven. Bree's oven has been decommissioned. That's right. This, this doesn't happen. This. The oven is cooked. No. There's no more slough. <laughs> Really? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Wow. <laughs> Although I did have a dream last night. I feel like night. we should just end the show. Right I did. There's no more. So. I did have a dream last night that I've Brie never was, heard that in a sentence that before. That was pregnant. I'm writing that it's down. Better as a show my note. It's better than no. my dreams. I, I felt a little bit bad because I, I, I said, does that meaning that you're wanting a kid? Because that's no. something I can never. So give is you. no more slough and a show note that I can make. <laughs> Can I put that in yeah. there? Hashtag. What if I have you learned that, nothing? What if that's the show title? No more slow. No, definitely. No. <laughs> like people will come. <laughs> so the reason we're talking about this is up at the University of Utah. Oh, I thought you were going to let Jess talk about. I it, am, so shut up. but I'm trying no. to transition, so I start yeah, talking no, about sloughing. He's an engineer, and he is a professor at the University of Utah. Who, um, his five-year-old daughter spilled rice on the kitchen floor. And it just sparked this like moment of genius. So, but here's the thing: like every true man in the world, his daughter spilled sticky rice on the floor, and he's like, "Eh, I fucking get that in the morning." Yeah, but every but woman in the world would clean it. But up. why? Because sticky rice is hard to sweep and wipe up. So why not let it dry and pick it all and sweep it up in the morning? Yeah, no, that is look. That is what he said was the reason. But the real reason is <laughs> I'm a, a dude, man. and I made this excuse up because. I would do that. Let's find him. I bet we can find him on social media. Honestly, and ask here's him. what I would do. And then I point dogs. with my toe, and my Maybe dogs would have clean a dog. it up. Well, Anyways, so our dog he, is being good over here. Just don't don't be doing that. So a 2016 study estimated this. The reason this is relevant is because a 2016 study estimated that nearly 20 billion sanitary pads, tampons, and applicators are discarded in North American landfills each year, taking centuries to decompose. So the this becomes relevant in other countries where they don't have access to the same things that we do. And so he thought, well, what's, what is readily available, uh, substance, I guess, uh, product. And he has created these, um, all natural feminine pads. 100% so, yeah, biodegradable. They're known as the Shero pad. Um, yeah, 100% biodegradable, made with products that you can get in some of these third world pro countries. So one of the things that a lot of people don't think of because we're 
you know, in America and in, even in a lot of Europe, very westernized, very industrialized. Is your neighbor burning something? It's May. Uh, my neighbor fucking lights their wood-burning stove pretty much I every day it. of the week. It drives me bonkers. Um, anyway, so women in other countries, they don't necessarily don't use feminine hygiene yeah. products. And it's a it's a thing, right? So... <laughs> It says this ar- this particular article says many Guatemalan <laughs> women stay at home for a week each month because there aren't many affordable, comfortable, or accessible feminine care products. So that's why, you know, if you are hanging out with a chick and she doesn't talk to you for a week in Guatemala, that's why. Just in Guatemala? <laughs> yep. That happens here, too, and that's just because the people here are pissed. Uh, well, yeah, or, or if the chick just totally turns into a bitch for a week. Look... I live in a I live in a house with three women, and although the 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 oven is decommissioned on one of them, the hormones still exist, and so I get <laughs> triple your pleasure, triple your fun <laughs> once a once a month. You know what? We get quadruple our pleasure because every fucking week you're an asshole. <laughs> <laughs> it really it really is a challenging life I live, folks. Wow, <laughs> three women and two of them are teenage girls, which are I will say it again. The most disgusting animals on the planet. You know what I saw today? Speaking of feminine hygiene products. Oh, God. And disgusting animals. Did you say my mom? (laughs) You throw your mom joke out there? No. So the girls, we make them clean up the bathroom on Tuesday. Because if you guys saw it, when the way they leave it in the morning... You would be like, how do I even turn like, on the water? I don't get how they even function in there to put their makeup on in the morning. So anyway, so I go in there. There is a box of assorted feminine hygiene products. I assume leftover from college or something from Cassie's dorm. Sitting on the counter after she has cleaned up her stuff. The bottom drawer where they keep those is open with the same exact box but completely empty sitting in the front of it. Well, because they would have to take that box out and throw it in the trash to make room for the well, box. Well, do you remember? The feminine do you remember? This is, this is a great story for people to know. Uh, there was a time where we opened the drawer and it was full of the wrappings of <laughs> the wrappers. <laughs> the trash can is it's closer than the, the drawer, drawer, but they went back into the drawer. Wow. So again, I say teenage girls are the most disgusting things on the planet. But you know it's not disgusting. So another innovation. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, uh, University of Utah professor has uh, used 3D printing to replicate climbing routes. So we talk a little bit about 3D printing in in the medical world, but he's creating large-scale replicas of really cool climbing formations. Um, So kind of a cool deal. like those treadmills that go on runs around the world. Yeah, I mean, so some really cool stuff is is going on. Um, and speaking of climbing, um, American Ninja Warrior competitions are uh, right around the corner. Isn't it going on right now? No, because no, there's still team some... Team Ninja Warrior is going on right, right now. So is it May? It's May twenty second is when this is going to happen. So a couple local climbers, and I got to tell you, after going to Zion and seeing what real climbers do, holy shit. Hanging on the side of a freaking sheer cliff in a sleeping bag overnight because you're only a quarter of the way in your journey. So this is a very important to note. These guys are not auditioning. They were invited to compete. 
Yeah. It's very I, cool. I will say, if you've never watched the American Ninja Warrior competition. Cool. By the way, does anyone know if Stephen Amell is actually going to participate this year? He is. He's He was filmed and everything, but I He's don't know what his result then? is. Yeah. So, Says he who doesn't follow celebrities. No, no, no. So I was in Stephen Amell's panel in Salt Lake Comic Con where he was asked about doing that, where he committed to doing it, which is why he's done it now. That's cool. It was because of his panel here. Um, One of these guys have fallen a hundred feet. Yeah, dude, these guys—they no, have. Thank you. <laughs> they have bigger balls and smaller brains than I'll ever have. Oh, <laughs> I'm just saying, to do that kind of shit, you you can't think much of your life. <laughs> I'm just, I can't. No offense, people. I don't think you're dumb, but you're dumb. Do you know in, in the show's eight seasons, few have even made it past stage three? Oh yeah, no, that show four? is fucking intense. I think they've only ever had one winner, haven't no, they? they've had more than that. Well, the Japanese one. No, I'm talking about the American Ninja Warrior. No, it says to to put it into perspective on how rare it is for someone to win the competition. There wasn't a crowned winner of the show until season seven. Yeah, yeah. it's it's no joke. I think they've only ever had one winner. So it is no joke. the addition that Stephen Amell is in is Thursday, May 25th, ironically enough. We have so, not yeah. missed it. So it, so 8, 7 Central on NBC. Okay, so on That's May 25th, week. I will be... Should uh, add that to events? Yeah, we should, because I want to <laughs> see it. It says each of the... So it's a celebrity edition. It says each of the celebrities will be paired with an accomplished ninja who will help coach the competitor through the process. Casey Cadenzaro with Amel. Daniel Gill with Hugh... Flip Rodriguez with Christensen, Grant McCartney with Morales, Jesse Graff with Glazier, <clears throat> Natalie Duran with Suvari, yeah, I only Drew Dreschel with whatever. So there's a whole bunch of them, a whole bunch of celebrities. So anyway, that's cool. And the reason I think people asked him if you've ever watched, have you ever watched Arrow? Nope. So do you like hot guys doing amazing things without shirts on? In the dark. <laughs> like are you, <laughs> you like six pack is sexy, but a 12 pack's better? Because uh, <laughs> this look, I'm I'm as straight as an arrow, but holy shit, I would. Dude, it's hot. Like he does, Man crush. especially in the first couple seasons, he does the the chin up. I like the older nerdy thing. ones, like Chris Maloney and Law and Order SVU. Sorry, I don't care about your disapproving Law look right and now. Order. Yeah. Like I'm, I'm into the Law and Order. This she didn't say murder. She wrote. She's like, I like Matlock. No. Uh, <laughs> Have you seen Chris Maloney? <laughs> it was just an example, okay? But anyway. I like the Vigo Mortensons of yeah, the world, okay? Uh, no, I know who he is. No, but look at those abs. Look yeah, at his that's abs. That's not just his thing. She likes dignified Jealous. refinement. She's a Patrick Stewart kind of girl. I like real, like normal people. I don't have to have a six pack, okay? Just saying it could... A lot of people find that very... Well, I know obvious, a lot of people do. I obviously like normal you people do. too. I'd fuck him. <laughs> <laughs> that's that is messed up. He likes <laughs> you are a son of a bitch. We're gonna have a chat later. <laughs> oh, I'm sure you have a wow. twelve pack somewhere. Yeah, it's the in garage. the fridge. Uh, <laughs> to be clear, that twelve pack is gone. I think I have one beer left in it. He had a twelve pack. It was coarse. But you know what? You can get another. Gross. Now hey, I'm just totally I'm distracted right by looking at Stephen Amell's apps. Right now. You go ahead and judge me. You said it was Coors? Yeah, it's out of Colorado. Friends of mine down there called the Coors your Brewing friends, Factory. Your amigos? I know where it's made. It's uh, the banquet beer. I'll have you know. No, no, it's not. <laughs> I had Coors, it was Coors Light. It oh, sorry. The, it Coors. wasn't the like, ugly-ass yellow can for the banquet beer. Yeah. 
I didn't even know they made a regular Coors Forever. Coors Banquet. The original Coors is called Coors Coors Banquet. Banquet. Listen. <laughs> Listen, if, if bitches. <laughs> and look, I, I love craft beers. I'm a huge fan of craft beers, but sometimes I'm like, you know, I just want to drink watery bullshit. So I went to dinner with uh, <laughs> with some people from one of the carriers, and the guy is, we're at Gracie's, and he's he's ordering uh, was it Coors? Pabst Blue Ribbon. No, oh, I think it might have been Coors. Even that has dignity. And I said, VDR. you are in Utah <laughs> and you're Natty, not ordering a microbrew. So I forced him to, but he hated it the whole time. It smells like someone's smoking outside now. I told you. Not like wood, like just cigarettes is what no. it smells like. All right. With us today, we have Alan Scott, who is uh, one of the co-founders of Water Pocket Distillery, a new distillery here in the state of Utah. Number number Probably. thirteen, right? Lucky number thirteen. Yes, our DSP number is uh, what, DSP Utah two thousand thirteen. So we are the thirteenth licensed distillery. I don't think we're totally the thirteenth because I think three of those are High West. Because <laughs> oh, <laughs> I think they have a DSP for its location. Its location. Gotcha. I think they can extend their DSP, but I think they actually have three: one down in Salt Lake, Nothing one at the restaurant, and, and then one, in, one in Wanship. Yeah, in Wanship or the other. Yeah. <laughs> So, compared to Colorado, where they have like 90, uh, Washington <laughs> State has 90, 100 craft distilleries, Oregon, New York, uh, all places where craft distilling is really taking off. So, Utah has a tiny number. You but know, we're proud of our tiny number, as we should be. Well, and I'll say it's nice to see distilling starting to take hold in Utah. And, yep. and, I mean, we've seen over the last, what, 10 years, most of the distilleries have come around. Yep. Um, because Utah, I've always said, Utah has an amazing beer scene. Like, the, yep. the the local breweries here are some of the best I've I've ever had, and I've been to almost every state in the country. And I always try to drink something local when I go there. But, but Utah, and I think in part because of the way our liquor laws are written, um, we've got a really good pub brew kind of atmosphere. So to see hard liquor distilleries start to take off, and, and wineries too. We have a few wineries, though it's a little bit harder. Two, I believe, one in Moab and then the Hive. The Hive. Which is uh, puzzling because we have such good terrain for growing grapes. Uh, I think uh, the laws are about the harshest for uh, wineries. Uh, I don't understand why we don't have more. Uh there is some very good loamy, sandy soil uh, in many parts of the state uh, where they could grow grapes and I think produce fantastic wine. Uh, uh, Evan Lewandowski, if I'm pronouncing his name right, he's very interesting winemaker here locally. He's doing all-natural wines, and I think he's trying to start some vineyards down hmm. near Boulder, Utah. So we have a long enough growing season then for grapes? It actually That's blows my was... mind because... Yeah. Some varieties. Just think, they've got a huge wine-growing area up in the Okanagan in Canada. Well, when I was in okay. Italy... Well north of here. Uh, they have uh, grape vineyards that are clear up in the the pre-Alps. I mean, we had sure. to take a bus that was oh, wow. super, super high up, and that's all it was, was just, you know, vine after vine. Yeah. So Look, I'm, I'm no horticulturist. I've got some squash planted for the first time. <laughs> um, we could ask Peter in Ireland. Rose, he could tell snowstorm us. Snowstorm tomorrow, sorry. Yes. Hopefully yeah, I'm going to go tarp. I'm going to go tarp the bed tonight. <laughs> so um, hopefully Jeremy's bees will make it. Um, <laughs> I think they will. Fingers crossed. So what... 
what drove the decision to get into distilling? Or do we want to start even earlier than that and ask why you're in Utah? Let's oh. start with Utah. Start with Utah? Let's start with Utah. It is a podcast Since about Utah. Since it is Utah. the new Utah podcast. Uh, that, you know, that's a great question. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have a... Well, it's a... I'll just say it's a long road. Uh, Take us down that path. Yes. So I'm a, a creature of the Midwest, originally. I grew up uh, between Oklahoma and Kansas. Um, mainly, you know, the, the, conscious part of my, the conscious part of my childhood was in the suburbs of Kansas City. You know, you get back in what it was. I moved up there in 1975. I was born in 1968. So most of my conscious childhood and teenage years were suburbs of Kansas City. Uh, so Kansas, I really consider my home. I don't know much about Oklahoma. I still have family in parts of Oklahoma. I hear Oklahoma's okay. Oklahoma <laughs> is, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's okay. Um, there are some good parts of Oklahoma. Of course, I have family there. I can't completely criticize it. You know, I might ask someone to crash the plane across the border from Oklahoma <laughs> if I were going down. It's like, can you make it across the border well, so I don't have to die in honest. Oklahoma? But Oklahoma <clears throat> is just like Kansas, but with fewer people. You know, <laughs> fewer people, and it's it's one of those landscapes that's really hard to put your finger on. It's almost like the plains hit the jungle, hit the desert. Yeah. And there are pieces of all of that in uh, Oklahoma. A friend of mine went and did his uh, military training in southern Oklahoma, not far from where my family lived. And he came back, and it was like, it's a jungle. We were out <laughs> doing exercises, and the tarantulas came. They were, probably weren't tarantulas. They may have been. Probably but they've scorpions. got spiders, they've got scorpions, they've got these centipedes that are huge, that are all every type of wasp that you can imagine. It's it's very humid, it's but it's also weird arid. They've got like desert like plants, like the sticky little uh burrs. They've uh it's it the soil is red. There hmm. are oil rigs everywhere. That's where my family is out yep. in the oil country in southern Oklahoma. Um you know, it's it's an interesting place. So my version of American Gothic in my mind is visiting my grandparents down in southern Oklahoma, <laughs> where they lived in a hundred year old roadhouse um, that uh, they had kind of abandoned parts of it. And huh. you know, I swear there was some huge spider in one of the rooms that I never went in. You know, <laughs> they, they were definitely country people, <clears throat> um, and that's that's my family. Um, just you know, one generation back is rural South. Uh, you know, I. Occasionally explain that my family could be explained by two reality shows, Hillbilly Hand Fishing and Swamp People, because <laughs> if you go back to some of my roots. I'm a little know. afraid of Oklahoma so, now. So distillings in your blood is what you're getting around to. No, no, no. It's, uh, That's it's, not Alabama, dude. <laughs> He's not from Alabama. So I have yeah, moonshiners in Oklahoma. I, don't know. I have roots in Arkansas. I have roots oh. in Louisiana, and I have roots in Oklahoma. There you go. There's the distilling. Yeah. My, dad, my dad lives in Branson, Missouri. They want you to believe that's the Bible Belt, but they all distill out there. <laughs> they do. There is a lot of distilling down there. Uh, not all of it legal. The moonshine <laughs> tradition is alive and well. Uh, you know, it's just poor people. And it's real moonshine, awesome. Jeremy. It's not the garbage that you bought at the liquor store. <laughs> <laughs> so, that is so nasty. So I have roots there, but I probably spent most of my life trying to get away from that part of the world. I don't think I'd ever bring myself to live down there. And I'm trying to get back to what you asked, which is how did how I did end up in Utah? Utah? Right. Uh, well, my family uh, moved to Kansas City when I was a kid. Um, that's where I grew up. I went to the University of Kansas. <clears throat> Ended up uh, going to the University of Kansas and then living in Corpus Christi for a few years. Uh, that's where my wife and I 
um, sort of developed the romance thing and how do you fell in love and how do you go from going to school in Kansas to living in Corpus Christi? They're not close because uh, the gorgeous and smart girl that you dated got a job down there and said, "Come down and live okay. with me for a well, month." That makes sense. There you and go. And that turns into sort of a marriage and a life. It's sort of well, how it worked not? out. Why not? And I studied. I wasn't a serious student. I studied theater, film, communications in college. Did you guys totally hear, not serious. You guys all hear that? If you're yeah. studying theater, film, or communications, <laughs> you might as well just go right into distilling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead and quit whatever you're doing. <laughs> so that was my educational background. You know, I'm one of those college was the best six years of my life kind of guys. Uh, a lot of guys go to college for seven years. Yeah, or more <laughs> to get a good associates. Nothing wrong with that. Um, <laughs> but uh, he has six minors. I ended up dating a, a brilliant and wonderful and the best person I've ever known. And she got a job at an oil refinery down in Corpus Christi, Texas. I went down there really to apply to uh, grad school and uh, do whatever. Really just, I didn't know what I was going to do right out of college. So I had a girlfriend who went You're to like, live with her. You got a good job. You can pay my way into something. <laughs> well, I ended up working right away. So I got a job in television <laughs> down in Corpus Christi. Oh, nice. Uh, small market television is its own thing. Uh, it's fairly easy to get into requires a lot of stupidity to stay in which is me so i ended up working in every station in corpus christi texas for the first three years i was down there so is it like anchorman ron burgundy no no because that's not quite small market corpus christi is (laughs) corpus christi would be like if saint george had its own station just about yeah just about small market tv you know it is parts of it are exactly the way you think and uh you know parts of it are just a job you know, most most people working in TV are just regular Joes. They work in it because they love it. Um, I worked in television here in uh, in Salt Lake for 10 years. So mostly at Channel 2. You say um, working in television. Were you production? Yeah, were I was you? mainly on the production side. I never did the talent side of it. I never did producing. I probably had the skills to do it, but I was just never want- I never wanted to. I was just attracted to the technical side of it. I spent most of that time either as a director or a technical director, or working in master control, which is sort of like a boring version of director. Um, yeah. Speaking to the microphone. <laughs> uh, <laughs> You're um, all right. I, I just keep adjusting your levels for you. Okay. So, so uh, and then uh, later on I got a little more uh, ambition, uh, I guess you would say, and I started uh, trying to build a technical career more seriously in television, especially with a lot of technology where it was going. I don't want to make this a completely boring story. but uh, And I will get back to the question you asked me earlier, how I ended up in Utah. Uh, but to complete one thought at a time, basically went from technical directing to they recruited me into the engineering department. That led to a lot of network engineering because of the technology being deployed in t- TV stations. That led to later on working for a consulting company doing ex- only that. So... Well, and this is this is like time frame wise late nineties. Yeah, so I I didn't move here until two thousand. So most of that stuff happened while I was here from two thousand two thousand ten. That makes sense. That was yeah. a, that was a big change in technology during that time frame. Uh, huge, right? That's when everything went digital. Everything went digital. HD. Everything went on the network. Yeah. Uh, television used to be a bunch of proprietary standalone systems that none of which were connected. So that's what was changing. All the automation, all of that stuff. So. That's the skill set I brought to that job, and that's why I ended up doing technical stuff for network engineering. So, and later on, project management for some big projects. Um, you know, I, I miss television, but okay. Going back to your original <laughs> question, uh, 
So the previous three years before I moved to Utah, my wife and I were traveling the world with uh, mainly her job. I was a freelance photographer, at least pretending to be one for the three years prior. <laughs> uh, and we lived overseas. We lived out of suitcases for three years. We lived in China. We lived in Spain, uh, Germany. Uh, we did a long stint in wow, Bratislava, okay. Slovakia. Cool. So that's awesome. Spent a lot of time living overseas and. And, you know, really, we were based out of Chicago, but Chicago was essentially a storage unit in the hotel. So we really didn't have a house or anything there, but we you know, can say we kind of lived in Chicago. She lived up there. I worked in television from Kansas City for a couple of years in the interim before we decided to get married. So then she said, well, let's get married and I'm working for a big oil company and they will send us around the world and let's just see how it goes. So that's kind of how we... Uh, ended up on the road. And towards the end of that, we just said, you know, living out of suitcases is okay for a little while, but eventually, uh, if it becomes your life, you just grow a little weird. You um, <laughs> <laughs> Not having roots, not having the same set of friends for more than, you know, a few weeks at a time, not really having pets or possessions or it's just, it's great. And it's also weird. It's just, it's hard. Uh, so we l decided to, let's try to find a home somewhere. So we started casting about. My wife said, I want to get out of oil for a while and maybe go back to school and study something, get my brain engaged in some new subject. Uh, I wanted to go back and work in television. So she picked the University of Utah to do PhD in biochemistry. So that's, uh, and there were a few other candidate cities, but the last two were Corvallis, Oregon, and here. So would you say your wife's smart? She, uh, <laughs> yeah. Because she uh, went to college for six years to get a bachelor's, and she's working on her PhD. Yeah, she is the smart one. Yeah, Did you she, ever get your master's? I didn't get my master's. Nope. Okay. Nope. Master's of life. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you had some great experiences, it sounds Tell like. she's the smart one. She didn't come here. She sent you. <laughs> I ended up doing a lot of training in IT. Um, I'm still technically a Cisco certified network professional and a, a, a professional project manager and a few things like that, so... I spent a lot of time uh, studying, but not for a degree. I think if I went back for a degree, it would be something as useless as my undergraduate, so <laughs> philosophy or history, because that's what I end up being most interested in my sort of personal intellectual that's what life. you should get your degree in anyway, is what you're interested in. So. Yeah, it it should. It doesn't always work out that way. Sometimes life intervenes, and there's a lot of jobs in the world that have nothing to do with what you want to do. Oh, yeah. Most of them. Yeah. So that's kind of how we ended up in Utah is that sort of roundabout route. And we looked at a lot of places, and I didn't want to go back to Chicago. There's a lot of great things about Chicago, but karmically, the city hated me. I don't, I don't know why, <laughs> but I had some epic traffic adventures. You know, uh, my wife is very gifted, but she gives terrible directions. And once I got three hours around with no toll booth money in there, you know, one time it was we tried to make You're up. like Juliet. <laughs> yeah. You know, it, was, it wasn't Juliet. It was all the way downtown. I literally was within five minutes of my destination, and I took the right instead of the left. And, yeah, she uh, she's great. She's she's gifted with many things, but she does have trouble with directions. And there's nothing more scary than driving through a rainstorm in Chicago, let's be honest about yeah, that. Yeah, right. Uh, <laughs> Massive I, lightning. I have a friend from Kansas City who calls Chicago the Death Star. It's like you drive and it just goes on and on and on. It's a big built up. Yeah, I go to Chicago and I don't rent a car. It's cabs. Yeah. And I took a, I took a cab. As long as you're in the city. 
Yeah, I took a cab. I know how to get to a Hard Rock Cafe and get out of town. That's. <laughs> yeah, <of course. laughs> I took a cab once from from downtown where I'm staying in a hotel for whatever convention I'm there for. I wanted to go. I had to go out to some like wholesale electronics store out there. I was out in like the boonies, and I get out there, and the cab driver's like, "How you getting back?" Oh, I'll just I'll grab a cab. He's like. And no one's going to come out here and pick you up on a Friday. Maybe. (laughs) Yeah. If you want, I'll stay here. It'll cost you like 10 bucks more. I'm like, cool, just stay here. (laughs) He didn't want to try and pick up a fare and go back downtown where all the fares were anyway. That's true. Smart cabbie. (laughs) So I didn't think about that. (laughs) So Chicago hated me. Um, There there are parts of Chicago I I loved, but, uh, and I, Kansas City, uh, I have a lot of friends in Kansas City and a lot of good memories there. I just, uh, Never wanted to go back. I don't know. I'm but but you've left Utah since you've moved here, and you want to stay? Uh, I think for the first six to eight years, we had a two-year plan on ongoing of how we're going to leave That's Utah. That's usually how two years work. Yeah. We were just like, <laughs> in two like years, we'll be moving. all of our guests that have moved here have had that same plan, and, and all had they're an still here. Yeah. And they all get stuck. Yeah. Yeah. We got stuck. Yeah, but that's how, how, that's how some of the most amazing people luck. in Utah got here. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> It's not a bad stuck. I'm actually delighted to be stuck. Um, it's uh, there are a few reasons. I go back to the Midwest and it's flat. It's <laughs> humidity. It's Tornadoes. most of the problems we have here. Boring. Very uh, boring. It's boring. You know, people have interesting lives no matter where you go. But and my friends in Kansas City can't believe I live here. You know, they're just like I don't. They're just like I don't understand. You know, Until they what? get here and they see our mountains, and then they're like, oh. Right. I sent a picture. I posted something on Facebook. That was a picture. It's just like, oh, look at the rainbow outside my door or something. And I had some people <laughs> respond. It's just like, oh, I thought it was totally flat. <laughs> you know. And I realized that that's a way of sort of just saying, I don't really believe in the place. It's like, oh, I thought it was totally flat. <laughs> Does your tor- <laughs> you have running water? We have a, I got that all the time. We have a water. trainer here from Volkswagen, and he is from Tennessee. And I was like, oh, I cannot wait to go to Tennessee. I have a family, yep. I have a cousin that lives there. Yep. And he was like, you know, he's like, it's God, he's like, it's God's country. He's like, but this, he's like, this is God's country. And he said that to me today. And I was like, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's not bad. You know, uh, the mountains, I've become a big desert person. I just uh, love the desert. Uh, there's nothing more beautiful than going in the middle of nowhere and Canyonlands or Capitol Reef or the cool thing is from, from Salt Lake a couple hours in almost any direction it's yeah. completely different climate yeah. different everything yeah. and then you start looking at going back in the Midwest and go well that's a vacation I might take once every 10 years yeah I might go to the Grand or, Canyon in 10 years right well, that's four hours away from me right it's like a hours. flight in a you know hotels yeah, and deal. yeah car rental yeah and just take the family station wagon cross country <laughs> <laughs> with grandma on top so i i I just excuse me i fell in love with the place and it's uh it's just been home i think it will be home julia feels the same way she does okay yeah she does julia Uh, is his wife for those of you who haven't picked up yeah julia is the smart one we were referring to earlier the genius Um, of the family yeah and smart in terms of she did the hardest subject chemical engineering in school then she got a phd just aced it, you know. What, what was her PhD in? Biochem. Biochem. Yeah, so chemistry is what she's really. Is that what Angie's degree is in? She's biologist. Is oh, she wow, still in working in? No, I almost said a distillery, but refinery is really what I meant. Uh, to say. She works for Intel right now. Um, she does. Do, do, do. Uh, 
Yeah, she, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Whatever. I can't do it. Tone deaf. Um, yeah, she's, uh, she's traveling right now. Otherwise, she'd be here for this tonight. Well, well, she'll just have to come back. I'm just going to throw this out there. I, I've tried, you know, some of the, the whiskey that you brought in, but if you've got a, you've got a, someone with a freaking PhD in biochemistry that was a, a chemistry major for their bachelor's, I'm, I'm guessing that it's probably going to be pretty good stuff. Well, uh, the booze we've made so far is, I think, very good. The whiskey is not ours because I can't launch with a nine-year-old whiskey having been open since February. What? I wish I could. What? Yeah. That would be whiskey magic. Only if you have magic the barrels. time machine. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I like super. You're like, I have magic barrels. Food coloring. You know, somebody has somebody has invented what you would call a whiskey time machine. They're using a rum with the best results. Uh it's this uh, interesting guy. I'm trying to remember his name. But he's figured out how to run uh, a raw distillate through something that uses light and pressure and a couple of other elements. And his claim is he has a chemical signature of a 20-year-old rum within days. Wow. And is it like that gold they made in the 80s that ended up being like uranium-filled yeah. and everybody <laughs> right. looked at it? Right now, uh, it's a great story. I haven't tried any of the rum. <laughs> Uh, it's a lot like cold fusion. Yeah, yeah another Utah story. Yeah. Um, you know, power to him if he's figured that out. You know, his his uh, mantra is, we've gone to the moon, surely we can hack a piece of wood. Um, so, yeah, uh, maybe he can. What he doesn't seem, what he basically says, is I can jump from uh, raw distillate to something that seems 20 years old, uh, but he can't hit anything in between. So it's going to produce some spirits of a very interesting character. But it's not going to be a full range of spirits. Yeah, and, and you know, I'm, I'm curious if you'll get like one of the things that would be really tough with whiskey is to get the complexity of what you get out of a whiskey barrel. I mean, the reason that it ages for ten years in a barrel at least is it is the complexity it pulls out of the wood in terms of floral. Right, it's a chemical reaction between the distillate and the wood that produces all of those very interesting flavors, and that's just a matter of time. So now to my original question from like 20 minutes ago. <laughs> now we know how you got to Utah. This is what it's like talking to me, by the way. Well, that's all it's right. Just, yeah. People You're like fitting right in. Yeah. People like to hear this stuff. We uh, wander around too. What got you into distilling? Because you you do TV. Your wife's doing, you know, freaking chemical engineering. You just for wake up one day. Hey, I got yeah. my gas refineries and oil right. companies, and now she's working for Intel. Like. Yeah. Nothing about that says distillation. Let's make some liquor. Until you look a little closer. Were you, um, were you guys like, man, vodka sucks. Let's find a new vodka. No, Let's vodka's just make good. It. A vodka defender. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, uh, two things. One is uh, traveling the world kind of made us both adventure drinkers, I guess you would say. Um just, like, I'll try that. I'll try that, right. So, you know, you go to southern Spain or you go to eastern Europe or Germany or France, and one of the things you're immediately recognize is the range of things they drink there is much broader than what we do here. It's just a matter of history and... Um, availability. Availability. Uh, it's, in some cases, it's what grows there versus what grows here. Probably also a little to do with, you know, uh, Europe sent their Puritans over in boats initially, and they probably didn't bring a lot of the drinking culture with we them. We haven't really caught on yet. Yeah. Well, it's like some areas that are heavy into gin. It's because if you look back in history, 
the juniper is what is they there. Had, and right. so that's what they distilled. Yeah. And so gin became. I'm, I'm curious. What about China? And some of those kinds of places that are not European. That they you, you they have a drinking culture wine. too. Um, they, I'm curious they, what they drink. Whiskey. Snake penis wine. <laughs> okay, I have a bottle. <laughs> I have Tire a bottle of two snake liquor. whiskey. Uh, I don't know if it's whiskey, but it's like two snake uh, booze. I know. <laughs> so that's, that, that I brought like, from China. Is it like snake semen in the booze? I don't see any semen. But it's um, a snake. But yeah. it's connected to semen um, because there is sort of the anthropomorphic. You drink the booze with the snake in it, and you get the snake oh, yeah. energy. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it's like drinking mus- like shark. It's not moscato. No, what is it? It's the the Mexican with, with the worm. The worm. Mescal. Mescal. Yeah. Mescal. Yeah. Thank you. Right. Really good. Mescal doesn't have a worm, by the way. But I know. Uh, yeah. But it, it, you know, just yeah. The, it's the, the idea. Power of the worm. The, I think the worm's just for idiots. Well, it also shows you the power of ideas. The yeah. suggestion. That's Weird. true. Right. Because I remember back in college, it was like, don't cool. if you eat the worm, you hallucinate, right? It was that yeah. kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a freaking millworm, yeah. dude. It's you're good. It's really the fact that you've eaten you an insect at the end of a bag bottle of, of mezcal, those, right? Like <laughs> and pour alcohol over. I mean, them. look, I drink a whole bottle of mezcal. I'm probably not gonna yeah. stop at the worm. Mm. Like, I might as well eat it. Eat the right. bottle. It's pretty. It's pretty fermented. It's not gonna. The, there's booze inside that. Yeah, worm. unless the worm's been doing something very mm-hmm. special, you know. <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but like absinthe is the same way, yeah. right? Most of the legend of absinthe is suggestion. You it's know, going to go blind in the left eye. You're going to go or hallucinate or you're going to see the green of fairy course. or I mean, you know, I, turn into a vampire. Or I'm whatever. guessing at some point when absinthe was originally made, it was somewhat hallucinogenic because of the amount of wormwood. I believe wasn't it the bootleg stuff? Is where the problem came in with absinthe. The people, the stuff people were making in their bathtubs and whatever. Uh, it's actually more the strength of absinthe. Um, and the fact that absinthe was uh, bottled at a very high proof, and uh, the non-discriminating drinker would drink it at high proof, and they would experience the symptoms. I think the most famous case of someone going crazy with absinthe, they had had they proved like a hundred drinks that day or something. Oh, yeah, they had alcohol <laughs> yeah. poisoning, like right. hardcore alcohol poisoning. And one thing I've learned that's very interesting about absinthe, I didn't know before, but I learned this from a U.S.-based master absinthe maker, is a lot of the the prohibited scary part of absinthe actually came from a campaign to destroy the absinthe industry. Ah. And that was actually... Like most things, right? Like marijuana. Yeah, a little bit marijuana. And similar to marijuana, there was also a racial component. Uh, Most of the absinthe distillers were owned by um, Jewish people. And the French wine industry was attempting to make a comeback because dozens of years before, they had lost all their minds in the phylloxera outbreak. Uh, when they got their vines reestablished and they wanted to start reestablishing the uh, the wine industry, um, some of them just started a campaign to destroy absinthe, uh, which had originally been served uh, and popularized as an anti-malarial with the French army. <laughs> uh, because uh, it's a type of uh, liqueur that was considered a medicine. Um, it came out of a Swiss convent as a medicinal formula, just like many of the uh, French liqueurs uh, yeah. did, like chartreuse. And I gotta say, absinthe isn't that good. I've yet to have really good absinthe. You know, it's an acquired taste for most people. Uh, and it's hard to separate the good absinthe from the bad because for many years there was very, very bad absinthe that came out of Eastern Europe. It was essentially one flavor, wormwood. It was colored green. Mm-hmm. And uh, the whole, like, put a bunch of sugar in your absinthe, that's where that comes from. Yeah. Like, just is, pour it over a sugar cube, a shot right. over a sugar cube. So, how to make bad absinthe palatable? 
Um, the good absinthe is a very complex and interesting liqueur. So I think uh, we'll make an absinthe someday. Some, some good stuff here. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's just finding the right stuff and trying it. But still, even then, it's not for everyone. So you've experienced the world of alcohol, and you yeah. decide, I'm going to open a distillery. Right. Also, uh, my wife uh, has, for most of her career, worked in oil refineries as a chemical engineer. Mm-hmm. And those are big distilleries. Um, if you drive by and you see all those big columns, um, you know, the big sort of standing, very industrial-looking things at the refineries, those are distillation columns. Uh, the difference is they're turning crude into different products like... Uh, jet fuel and gasoline and uh, naphtha and those things. So she's really worked in distillation her whole career as an engineer. So uh, the, the the hard part was actually convincing her to consider making beverage alcohol. <laughs> uh, she uh, was pretty happy with the career she was in. Um, she really doesn't do anything unless it's very hard. Uh, but I finally had the genius of sending her to a distil- distillation class in Chicago oh, at wow. Koval. And she sat through the class for two days, didn't hear much from her. And then she uh, basically came back and says, we can do this. She's like, I know we can do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was the moment of clarity. She had to see it. And uh, I'd been trying to convince her to consider brewing or any number of things. I've been a home brewer say, for many years. brewing beforehand? That's yeah. usually the gateway. Yeah, and home brewing <laughs> is a gateway for a lot of distillation. <laughs> home, yeah. home brewing beer, though, right? You're not home distilling in your bathtub. You now. cannot legally. Yeah. Home distill. So you were homebrewing beer. We sure. were homebrewing beer. Um, <laughs> and I did that for many years. I've also done wine and mead. Um, there are types of distillation you can do at home. Uh, you can do steam distillation at home. So you can buy a still, legally do steam distillation, get a bunch of fresh peppermint out of the garden. You can turn it into a product through distillation with something that looks like a still. But if alcohol goes to that still, if there's any sort of refinement of the alcohol, you, yeah, that's... And... Uh, that's uh, just the government, really. They they view distillation as uh, taxation. Yeah, uh, they want money out of it. Uh, yeah. If you want to understand the distillation laws, just imagine every drop of alcohol is like a little coin. And then <laughs> suddenly all those bizarre things in the laws suddenly make perfect sense. Oh, yeah, we've talked about that many a time on this podcast, especially yeah. in the state of Utah. So how did your beer go? Was it successful or hit and miss or all over the place? Or? So it was uh, many years of mixed success, um, mainly just time and equipment. Uh, and I was one of those brewers for probably the first many years, maybe five, ten years, that I just made an ale, stuck it in a carboy, let it ferment, um, didn't do a lot of the technical analysis that I needed to. Um, but when I started actually doing all the technical stuff, uh, it was amazing how fast and how much better my beer was. <laughs> did you ever, when you were doing that, did you ever go, honey, can you help me with this? Yeah. Th- my wife's greatest contribution to my brewing was to say, don't drink as much beer while you're brewing <laughs> as you normally do. I was, uh, she's like, yeah, don't she's get like, drunk I, when you make a batch. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty much, that was her initial contribution. Well, that's like when a, that's like when a chef in a restaurant don't is eat drunk. Don't eat the cookies, yeah. please, like, you while you're making them. When you are intoxicated <laughs> like that, you can't taste correctly. You can't. No. Uh, and, and your brewing goes a little wonky, you know, uh, it's the I best don't know if one you, I've ever made. Yeah. <laughs> It's all good, man. Till the next morning. Yeah. So, what did I put in that last night? If you get one of the famous early homebrew books by a guy named Charlie Papazan, uh, all the way through it, he's trying to demystify brewing for you. But his repeated phrase is, 
don't worry, relax, and have another homebrew. You know, as you're <laughs> as you're brewing, I took him up on that. Um, you know, there was one thing I saw. This is pre-internet days, but uh, that said, oh, if you want to start your little, you know, uh, transfer hose, just wash your mouth out with scotch. You know, <laughs> that made it even worse. You know, so I had some bad batches of beer. Um, but when I really learned the fundamentals of, hey, if you pay attention to your fermentation temperature, if you get a special place to put it that controls that fermentation temperature, uh, if you're very careful about sanitizing, not with household bleach, but with some other better chemicals, uh, you know, if well, you... Well, then your ingredients, I yeah. assume the better the hops, the, the fresher, the newer, the, the, all the, that kind of stuff. Exactly. And by the time you get to all grain brewing, you've just made quantum leaps beyond where you started and you realize... This is really just very straightforward as long as you follow the rules. There's definitely artistry to it. But probably the most important thing I got for doing distillery is learning those fundamentals of fermentation. Because a still is a beautiful object, but all it is is a magnifying glass for what you've done with your fermentation. It's true. All it does, distillation, as you can imagine, just concentrates the flavors uh, mm -hmm. of whatever, whatever you've done in the ferment. Yeah. So you were able to refine the process well somewhat. With, with home brewing, but able to understand how it all worked, how it all went together. Right. So that opened the door. Absolutely. That probably made me, um, you know, just enough. Uh, let's see. How, how do I say this? Uh, I would have been terrified had I not known those things. There are so many things that you're just terrified at starting a business in terms of the unknowns. So trial and error with your own homebrew is not a big deal. Trial and error with a great big vat of whiskey. I'd be freaked out, too. You know, it actually becomes very straightforward. Well, there's nothing like uh, all of that being your money to concentrate your mind on what you need to do. <laughs> uh, and also, uh, the penalties of failure are so much higher. Yes. So if somebody said, you know, it's going to cost you a month's salary if you don't get this homebrew right, you know, you'd go, ooh, I'm probably going to get this homebrew right. I'm not going to drink when I do this. I'm not going to drink when I do this. I might, I might pay a little more attention. I might go back and read that chapter again. Maybe write some stuff down this time. Exactly. <laughs> Keep notes of what I did so I can do it again next time. That's, uh, you know, it's it's no big mystery. It's just sort of being deliberate about it. So at what point did you say, okay, I'm going to, I want to take this leap. I want to open a distillery. Right. Um, you know, there were several years, you know, I'd say the recession was probably a big catalyst. Uh, there's just uh, so many things that ha can happen in your regular work where, I would say that probably both my wife and I have been workaholics for many years. It's just we work, 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 work. Haven't nearly camped enough. Haven't nearly hiked enough. I think we hit a 10-year point of being in Utah, and we were just like, wow, we moved here to actually be more well-rounded human beings, and we had just worked, worked, worked. Um, That's a so very American thing, though, right? It's a very American thing, yeah. We're, we're rewarded for doing that. Yeah, we're not rewarded for being more relaxed. And We lived in Spain for a year. If you want to see people that are well-rounded, family-oriented, you know, it's, it's not so much naps, I learned. It's more just how they structure their day. We should have siesta here w with our climate. Yeah. Yeah, that, that so, makes sense. This, is always, this has always <clears throat> bothered me about the American social structure. You say we're rewarded for work, work, work. Yeah. But at the end of the day, I don't know that we're rewarded as humans, necessarily. Like, we're rewarded with, with more pay, with promotions. Right. But at the end of the day... We're work, 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 and and as as individuals, we're not necessarily growing. That's true. That, so. That's true. Um, and 
uh, once again, Spain was kind of what opened my mind to that. Uh, because I lived in a place where the communities were so tight. You know, I remember one evening going into the central square just outside of the walls of Avila in Spain. And there was a fountain there. Um, and I sat there for, you know, a couple hours. And I watched the old couples walking by arm in arm. The uh, young couples with kids, the the teenagers, the it was just the entire spectrum of the town was there just to be around each other and just be around that fountain. No TVs, no music that was an event. It was just people went out to stroll in the evenings. There were just all sorts of, uh, that was so natural and so real. And it just kind of went back in my own mind. It was like, what is the equivalent experience in my life? It's well, maybe the mall. You know, where, but that's still essentially a commerce dominated. Yeah. Yeah. You're not even supposed to really loiter at the mall, right? So, uh, tell that to the old people that do the power walking in the mall. Yeah, they do. (laughs) Right. But see, that's so American. I'm going to the mall mall to power walk. I'm not walking, I'm power walking. You know, we, we, (laughs) that's a good point. We, we optimize everything to death. I remember you could just go ride a bike when I was a kid. You know, you just go ride a bike. Now you have to, bike was safety gear and there's like an entire spectrum you know but I, I used to subscribe to outside magazine you know and i realized that biking went from you just go out and ride your bike around your neighborhood to you know, meet the champion who's literally biked the entire spine of the alps you know has just become this aspirational <laughs> thing and you need a ten thousand dollar bike to do it and it's just our culture wants us to optimize everything i just want kids to climb trees again hey my neighbors right Right, right next door. This is a kid's last, was last year or two years ago. They uh, built a makeshift ramp out of one of those play school, plastic play school tables. Oh, yeah. That's and what some you're plywood. <laughs> so their, da- their dad's a carpenter, by the way. Okay. And that helps after, a little. After seeing them attempt that ramp on bikes and skateboards, decided to make them ramps. Because <laughs> he's like, it's cool that they're doing it, but that's probably not a good idea. It's really tangible and real low, you know. And, and uh, just to tie back into our conversation, one of the reasons Open Distillery is to actually do something kind of tangible and real. Um, my career for many years was just working at a laptop, staring at a laptop, and doing very abstract command line network engineering stuff. And, you know, it's fine for... A while it's, it's and it's a great intellectual exercise but eventually you're just like wow i'm gonna spend the rest of my life and die this way and it, it, you lo- kind of lose your connection to even your own body it feels like and distillation is a great way for me to sort of ground myself get up out of the chair do something real uh do something that engages my mind and my senses and and it's something creative and you know it turns into booze at the end so that is a <laughs> pretty good bonus with that so (laughs) so uh the 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 end of the story is that uh with the recession and with all sorts of things that went on i would say that my wife and i were miserable in our careers in some way and i'm not going to blame the career i'm not going to blame the company it's really just who we were i kind of now think that i should have been an entrepreneur years before because i'm just one of those people that uh eventually drives me nuts if other people are making decisions that i don't agree with it's not that i'm right it's just that don't play well with others. It just, yeah. I'm, Were you an only child? No. I, I had a sister. <laughs> uh, I have a brother. Um, no, I'm just a difficult person. I'm kind of famously difficult. And it's one of the reasons that uh, opening uh, a distillery is perfect for me. I get to kind of do my own thing. I get to work at my own pace and speed. And I get to make all the decisions. And 
there's a great way of testing your own self and your own, you know, your own personality to say is like this lizard fails based on me. So, <laughs> so how how long has the distillery been open or operating at this point? We've been legal in the state of Utah since uh, the beginning of February. Okay, so very very short, very short period of time. But we've been in our space for over a year. We were in the space a year or more before that because you just couldn't do everything until you got all your right. You can't even apply for your federal license until you have an address, until you have a floor plan, until you have an equipment list. And then what? what's the difficulty, in, what's the terms and difference of difficulty, I guess I should say, between getting your, your federal stuff and getting your state stuff here in Utah? The federal is the real obstacle. That's where all of the technicalities, the requirements, almost everything is governed by federal law. Um the state is really just a formality. It's tacking a couple of months on the end of the federal process. And there's really, they couldn't do a lot, I don't think. They could if they wanted to, but they don't, um, to say, we're going to make it difficult for you to be a distillery in the state of Utah. Their, their idea is just, if you pass that bar, get your federal license. Then we're, we're good. We're not here to stop you. It's legal in the state. Well, and they, I, I think they want the money anyway. We would love the tax revenue. So. They do. They, they see themselves, the big limitation in the state of Utah is they see themselves primarily as an institution that is there to prevent harm. And alcohol has its own unique set of problems, as everybody knows. Some people have trouble with drinking, and uh, some people definitely need help with drinking. Uh, I need help. I'm glad you brought some. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, my problem is I'm neither. You know, I can steadily drink my entire life, and probably going to be fine till I'm old. But uh, Well, I mean, you should probably change your liver out. Uh Oh yeah, <laughs> my liver. Did you say change your liver? No, out? check yeah. it. Check, check it out. out. Check it. So I'm yeah. I'm slightly curious. Backtracking just a little bit, the actual physical setup. How yep. did you do that? It's not like you go on Amazon and buy a still. Buy a distillery. So how did yeah. you? How did you put it's that? Like a kit. What? It's <laughs> yeah. like a kit. They sell them as a kit. <laughs> yeah, they sell them at the beer nut. <laughs> you can you can check into your Amazon Prime distillery kit. Right, distillery kit. I wish there was. Uh, there are vendors who will sell you a complete distillery. Um, and in retrospect, it may be something that we should have done. Um, but it's it's a combination of your best guess um, with what equipment versus with what spirits you want to make. And uh, beyond that, there's a certain amount of foolhardiness where you just go, we have to buy a still and we have to just get started. And we don't know perfectly what we're going to do because our still was a 15-month process. So we had to order that thing, and then it didn't even start being produced for a year. You say they're all custom-made, aren't they? Totally custom-made. Where does it come from? Uh, this one is from a little town in the Black Forest of Germany. Ah. Yeah, so we have two stills. Did they so send you cake, too? They didn't. No. <laughs> they sent me a beautiful still system. Uh, beyond that, they were a little frustrating to work with. Oh, uh, no. Uh, but it's all forgiven. You know, the guy who sold us the still, you know, there are a couple of times I... Uh, I you're difficult to work with. I couldn't speak to him on the phone. He was too. You know, I, me plus other it was like pe- heads, me huh? plus people like me. You know, <laughs> um, but it all turned out okay in the end. So, a, so you get the stills. Yeah. And how about all the rest of it? Did you put it together yourselves? Did you? Yeah. So one thing that people <laughs> find amazing is that we assembled the still system ourselves. Myself, my wife, and one of her PhD colleagues who works with us at the distillery, who's about you know. Five two, tiny little person. So he uh, climbed in. So we, th- <laughs> yeah, we threw 
that whole thing together and without really instructions. Uh, the guy who sold the still system sent us like three little cell phone videos. That was like, like here's basically how you do it. You know, it's all in German. Uh, it wasn't, but it was. It, I would describe it as a maddeningly little amount of information on how to assemble it. Um, we could have waited for him to do it, um, but the way things worked out, we only had a week to train and do everything else, so we decided to do it ourselves. Uh, the the one good thing about it is just like when you assemble a puzzle, you know, you basically say, well, eventually I'm going to find the right piece, and it's not like these pieces are You didn't infinite. have a bunch of spare parts left, did you? We didn't. We had like two. And they were just like, what are these? We couldn't find where they went. One of them ended up being a cap inside one of the stills. And the other ended up being a piece that went on the back of the still. It was something that we looked at a thousand times. We just never put two and two together. But we did it pretty well. And, and it worked. You the self-satisfaction of putting it together on your own. Well, but so. once yeah. you've put it together, you know how it all works. And that was another idea. So if you ever needed to take yes. it apart or fix it, right. you've got the knowledge of how it went together. We know every bit of that still now. Yeah, Absolutely. And the still's a beautiful thing, and it does its job very, very well. How big are your stills? Uh, we have a 500-liter still. Um, that's the large one, and the small one is 240 liters. So that's 125 gallons on the one and about 60 on the other. And how did you guys choose what spirits you were going to be producing? Uh, that's a great question. That is a really great question. Um, we originally started with the idea that we would do vodka, um, our vodka <laughs> fan over here. She's a vodka uh, defender. We can use yeah. potatoes. Yeah, we were going to make vodka. Potatoes are delicious. Yeah, d- what is your favorite kind of vodka? Just curious. Probably three olives. Three olives? Okay. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I think just con- probably just consistency across, like, um, I don't get, like, weird back flavors Mm -hmm. i don't it it mixes well with whatever i put it in or when i shoot it it's right okay yep so very smooth yeah yeah yeah. very consistent right like it's if i get a drink somewhere and it's crappy vodka it just is a crappy drink whereas opposed when i yeah, Smirnoff does not taste good. When I make like a, because a, 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 I like frou drinks too, so yep. I like to add lots of things to it. Sure. So when I do that, I don't want the alcohol to Makes make it, it taste deal. like crap. Right. You don't want the alcohol, like, the vodka to drive a bunch of garbage into your cocktail. Right. right. Like I want to be able to sip it and drink yeah. it. And, and that's all distillation quality. Right. By the way. And that is how the vodka is produced. So our originally thought was we're going to do vodka in for a couple of reasons. One of it was that was just the simplest to get our mind around. Uh, it's a straightforward distillation process. The equipment is more expensive, believe it or not. Um, and it was most like the column tray distillation that my wife had done for most of her career. Uh, but we eventually realized that vodka doesn't make any sense to make from scratch as our first product. First of all, I love vodka myself as a straight vodka, but I'm I, I like vodkas with a lot of residual flavor. Um, I love a good earthy potato vodka, for instance. I love Chopin. Chopin, yeah, it's that's a good potato vodka. Vodkas, yeah. yeah, great vodka. Um, you know, Belvedere is another great one. There's plenty of great vodkas out there. Uh, uh, but we decided eventually what we really were interested in distilling is things that are more characteristics of their base ingredients. Um, we decided we wanted to eventually distill fruit. Uh, and fruit is, uh, well, first of all, you can turn anything into vodka. 
just by distilling, by purifying it, because vodka is a process of stripping out flavor. We wanted to get stills that were a nice balance of refinement, but also leaving in flavor. It's kind of the opposite process of making vodka. So whereas a vodka still ideally would have between 20 and 40 plates in it, we have two plates and a custom thing called an aromat, which is wow. really designed to leave in the congeners or the flavors. So, so good for like gins that are full of all kinds of floral elements. Right. Our small still is for the gins. The large still is for the distill or the fermented products like uh, rum. Mm -hmm. We'll probably do something with sorghum. Uh, eventually, we'll do whiskey and things like that out of them. Uh, but uh, you know, the stills do have a big impact on what you end up producing. Um, but uh, if you looked at the design of our stills, they're, they come from a tradition of brandy stills or schnapps stills out of Germany. Schnapps. So a lot of uh, schnapps is, you know, schnapps doesn't really mean anything. All it means is basically booze. So it actually covers a <laughs> but, huge class of things. But, but like the flavor, like I think of fruit schnapps. Like right. Liqueurs. Yeah. Right. So over here, schnapps is a liqueur. Right. right. Uh, That's how I think of it. Right. And some of them are, are quite good. We're going to make liqueurs. Um, but like, it then can, you're going to be my favorite. I love how you say that so casually. Cause that's like a big part of your plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's a big thing. I don't know. <laughs> any other, Cause we've talked there to isn't a few, anyone in Utah that does we've it. We've talked to a few distillers here. Yep. Uh, and no one has said they plan to make Then you get to be my foolish. favorite distillery because you'll probably make the things that I drink the most. I'd love to hear that. Yeah, so. You're going to make flavoring then in the well, city of Utah. That's right. So if you came and visited the distillery, you realize how much we're oriented towards, uh, particularly like uh, the botanical spirits are something that we're going to do a lot of. Uh, the same process that you would make a gin, which is essentially high proof spirit, you're infusing some kind of botanical and then you're distilling it. Um, that's how essentially gin is made. The only requirement for gin to be gin is that juniper be the predominant ingredient and that it have very low sugar or no sugar at all. Um, but there's a whole class of liqueurs that are essentially made with a range of botanicals, may or may not have juniper, and may or may not be sweetened. And that's one of the things that we'll do the most of. Uh, to illustrate that, one of our first liqueurs that we've already distilled two batches of, it's sitting in a couple of white wine barrels at the distillery, um, is one that uh, came out of Danzig. Uh, it uses a completely different set of botanicals. So it's got some roots like uh, uh, galanga, uh, ginger. Uh, uh, it has uh, orange peel. Uh, mm -hmm. The forward flavor is star anise is mm -hmm. one of the stronger flavors. Chris is in a, love a Kind right of a licorice a little bit of tingle. Face. So you brought this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> How long does that have to sit in those barrels? Because I, need to, yeah, I so need to come visit you. We hope to have it in the bottle with the label uh, legal to remove from the distillery, which it's not right now, um, by our launch, which is June 2nd and 3rd. Oh, so now. So like, coming So up. here in a couple of weeks. A couple of weeks, yeah. So uh, that's that's For my daughter's thing, birthday. <laughs> so that's your launch date. Yes. And you just, you know, you have a distillery. Do you have a restaurant or anything like that attached that you're doing a grand opening for? No, we really are a production distillery. We, we're not restaurateurs, and we didn't want to. They don't have the sign. We're a restaurant. We're, we're a bar. We don't have well, to do that. So <laughs> Thank well, goodness. The, the reason you should put I, one up that says we're a distillery. The reason just I because. ask because you know we've yeah. talked to some other folks. It's actually illegal for you to just sell your booze out of your own place. You have to sell it to the state. And then we can sell out of our own can. place, but you have to sell it to the state first and buy it back. They and have sell to. It, right? They regulate it, but uh, I can run what's called a Type Five package agency. 
Okay. Which means I can sell it like I'm a liquor store, only the things that I make in the distillery. Okay. When I when we went to Outlaw, we yeah. th- we were able to buy their stuff right there right. at the store. But yeah. I still have to pay a tax. Yeah, you still have to. But I get to keep a little more because I'm selling it in my package agency. Um, because they're not taking on the cost of distribution. Uh, but my only legal customer, besides uh, a bar can buy it directly from us. I believe a restaurant can buy it directly from us. Who knows An individual now? can buy it from us. But otherwise, for distribution, my only customer is the DABC, the state. So to distribute yeah. outside of the state of Utah, if you, if no, you want to move no out? No problems. But inside so of Utah, it's decide to, to sell it in Denver. Right. I would end up basically connecting with a private distributor in Perfect. Yeah, in uh, that non-control state. Or with a state in what, Idaho or Nevada or any of the other control Idaho. Okay, so you've described one alcohol, one liqueur that yep. really sounds just amazing. That one ginger, will be called Oread, by the way. Oread. So ginger, orange, uh, some star anise. Yep. Like that's, that sounds freaking Ro- Roman chamomile is the floral oh. note. And then you yeah. can have one of Ruby Snaps, Anna's cookies that she's God, making that too. That sounds so good. <laughs> It'll be like a delicious treat. Well, my buddy Jack makes the, what are they called, Brie? The cookies? Pozelles? Yes. Oh my God, those are so good. You can actually see the anise in them. It's so, they're so good. We're kind of curious how this one does because it is, uh, it sounds like a great, it's an oddball spirit. It's going to push a lot of boundaries and a lot of people will just say, I don't understand this. Um, obviously, we, obviously you've been tasting it as you go. We have. Yeah, how is it coming out the way you? It is. He just makes sure he limits yeah. his tasting according to his. <laughs> I, I like it a lot. Yeah, and I think it's great as a gin substitute and a, gin, uh, a tonic kind of drink because mm-hmm. it just is a whole different range of flavors. And so yeah, I was going to say, do you when you put these out, are you going to put out like sometimes you see at the liquor store mm. with the bigger manufacturers um, and the big, the bigger distributors, you'll see like suggestions of ways to make drinks because you're creating yeah. a completely new, unique kind of flavor profile for a liqueur. Yeah. How do you tell people how to drink that? Do you say just pour it in a glass and drink it? Or do you say this is a good drink that you can make with it? Right. Once we're legal to pull it out of the bonded space, I need to get it in the hands of uh, a, a mixologist or a cocktail person because I have my approach to it and that's mainly drinking it straight or in a tonic, but I really think uh, this is where the art of a distiller and the art of a cocktail person really starts to verge. Same with pairings, you know, what does it, yeah. it go with? Precisely. That's like a horticulturist and a chef. Yeah. You know. So I think once it gets in the hands of know. those people, there's going to be a whole new dimension to it that I probably don't even understand right now. It's really exciting. Mm-hmm. So what else do you have So we for will, your opening? We will definitely have an Amaro. Um, ready that we've already produced. Uh, the labels were supposed to be done today, but I think I'll have them in hand tomorrow. Everything is approved for that tomorrow. Um, and uh, it's going to be called Notum. I've named it after what's practically a little ghost town right there by Capitol Reef, um, uh, just because it's sort of the turning off point when you start to go in the wilds uh, in the backcountry <laughs> of Capitol Reef. Water Pocket is named after Capitol Reef, the Water Pocket Fold, and uh, if you've not been... So you like go. Capitol Reef, I'm guessing. Capitol Reef is my go-to park. Uh, Canyonlands uh, was probably the first place that really captured me, and probably one of the reasons I'm in Utah. Um, uh, and I love that place. Uh, Capitol Reef is where I go to sort of get, you know, me sorted out. Because it's it's beautiful, it's quiet, it's a lot of amazing country there. Fewer people, um, better chances for... You know, Zion, Zion's can be a zoo. 
yeah. these days. Uh, well, we, we went down in, in early March when they first opened up for the season. Mm-hmm. And it was still, I mean, it wasn't like crazy, but it was still really busy when we got up there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Capitol Reef has just been, it's been a weird crossroads at different points in my life. I, I literally uh, found an old diary when I did my walkabout way back when I left Corpus Christi before I decided to get married. Um, and I was just traveling around the Western United States and camping mainly in the most remote places I could find. And I found my old notes. And when I went through Boulder down in Capitol Reef, I found this whole section of just like, should I get married? I've got this wonderful person. So I, I was doing my most profound thinking about what I was going to do with the rest of my life as I went through that area. And the uh, landscape make it, made a very deep impression on me. Sort of the uh, uh, Great Basin National Park did the same. To the point where I just felt like I always want to come back to these places, no matter what else is happening in my life. It's almost one of those, you know, sprinkle my ashes kind of <laughs> feelings, you know. That's great. That's um, great. So, yeah. So the Amaro, uh, we think is very good, too. It's actually converted my wife from not drinking anything of that class to really enjoying it. So um, so that that's worked out well. And we have... Uh, a white rum that we've produced uh, from scratch in in the stills. And I have uh, some of that white rum I've turned into a coffee liqueur. Mm-hmm. So the, the coffee liqueur, I'm doing the final steps on that right now. And then, of course, Robber's Roost. And then Robber's Roost is our outsourced whiskey. Uh, and it's a nine to almost 10-year-old light whiskey. It comes from MGP, same place that uh, High West gets a lot of their whiskey. So um, what do you do? You get it as a base, and then you add to it? Is we get it in it the barrels, yeah. So, Or you just put it in the bottles. And we pretty much just pull it out, uh, blend it based on what's left in the barrels and what the character is in the barrels, and uh, proof it to the proof that we want. Um, other people could buy the same spirit, proof it differently, age it, or finish it in another barrel, whatever. But, uh, yeah, so we just thought there's not a lot of light whiskey on the market. Um, this stuff we were able to just get our hands on. We thought it was... It's a different uh, type of thing. High West released one of these. Um, ours is uh, for a ten-year-old whiskey. I think. Uh, well, I don't want to imply criticism, but anyway, um, High West does what they do great. And ours. This is, is your podcast. You can do whatever you yeah, want. Ours is less expensive. <laughs> Let me just say that. Yeah. Every and, everyone doesn't want to talk bad about anyone else, but uh, I love High West whiskey. By the way, look, I love High West too. <laughs> but uh, how? What what do you what is this stuff going to retail at in the state of Utah? That is twenty nine ninety nine, so, so half the price to High West. Uh, I would say yeah, uh, yeah. It's it's younger than the light whiskey that they released, uh, but we're not building our distillery on outsourced whiskey. Yeah, we're going to build our distillery on the stuff that we make and the creative work that we do. I'm ex- I'm, which is I'm why Robert's Roost excited. is a separate yeah. brand. It's a great bottle and a separate label. Uh, because so it's going to be a staple for a while, or we'll. As long as we can get our hands on it, yeah. It's a, it's a and really if it sells. good, really smooth whiskey. It's yeah. It's a great highball whiskey. It's a great sipping whiskey. Uh, we've also found that women that don't particularly consider themselves whiskey people... Still enjoy it. Still enjoy it, yeah. So we've had some people just go, I'd buy that because... So is that already, of the is that already for sale then? It is. is that that is the one product we have for sale until our launch. Is that in the stores yet? It, uh, no. Um, the... Uh, <laughs> The DABC has adopted a three, awesome process, a three times a year system um, to evaluate and take on new products. 
Uh, that plus the fact that they've done a big IT upgrade and have had some issues with uh, managing inventory. Uh, most of it's working, <laughs> but <laughs> but pulling out old products and putting in new ones has been uh, difficult for them. I sympathize. Um, I've gone through difficult IT upgrades myself. That's what I used to do as a consultant. So well, if I say anything bad about them, I'm going to be cursed in some way. It's but, not. No. Look, it's not yeah. the DABC's computer that's the real problem. They, they've been having Might some be. inventory issues yeah. for a while beyond that. So, so they have a their three months is one month they're bringing in new wines, one month they're bringing right. in new liquors, one month they're bringing right. in new beers. So Just for n- people that don't know, so new products for the local distilleries, for instance, uh, they're. They've just adopted this system, but they should evaluate this at the end of this month, and I should know June and July. Uh, and I think their next one is August, and then there's another one after that. Um, but there'll be it'll be a longer lag time to get our products into the stores, just because of what's been okay. going on. But that's okay. People can come get it from you. They right? can come get it from me. Yeah, so yeah, I'm sure. to go out of state or baby steps. Let's, we will. Let's start. We will. Here We've just and then go from there. There's two of us, so there's only so much we can do, and but we'll we'll get there. So where do I need to go to get this in a couple of weeks? Uh, right now at the distillery. Yeah, it's so the only place. What's the address? What's that? It's right here. It's twenty eighty four West twenty two hundred South. Exactly, West Valley. Yeah. Do you know where Printers Row is? Mm-hmm. So it's just north of Printers Row. Do you know where the Penske Truck Place is? Mm-hmm. Yep. Drive right. past it all time. Right. Drive to the Penske Truck Place. Turn left, then yeah. halfway up the street is us. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, I'll be there. So we'll just a few blocks <laughs> from the big June ice what? Committee. June, June what? Probably yeah. so. Second You're out of town. Floor. Yeah. Son of a bitch. I'll c- are you guys going to be open on the third on Saturday? <laughs> we will. Uh, He's yeah. out of town. When you pick me up on the airport at the airport, oh, on yeah, the third, we'll be on the way. <laughs> we'll stop by there. We'll get some, and then we'll take it to the tailgate with us for the game that night. There you go. And we should have the couple of other products by then too. So, so you're just, shooting to get into the restaurants, all that stuff, the same thing, it'll come? Yeah, I think so. Um, and I think some of the on-premise bars will be interested in some of the products we're doing, like the Amaro, the cocktail mm-hmm. folks, I think, will be interested in that, and in the Oread. And uh, and th- we won't stop there. We we consider ourselves a small batch distillery, so we're probably going to make more products and do them in small batches, and maybe not all of them be available all the time. But so like uh, a winter type thing and a summer type right, thing. So right. what you're saying is if I really like this Oread, I'm going to have to get like 17 bottles. And just uh, maybe. Store them downstairs <laughs> over in my store. This will be your best customer. So I'm kind of wondering how it's going to be. You know, I'm I'll tell you. I'll tell yeah. you. Okay, it good. Sounds re- I mean, the, 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 the profile that <laughs> you described sounds it. really he good. He hasn't been excited like this for a while. That's With any of our interviews. Like he's like, he's ready to go. <laughs> I would like to know what what is Im- because we talk about Utah's own a lot. That's yep. very important to us. We are the new to podcast, so uh, you know, being a Utah product is important. What's important to you and Julia and Water Pocket to solidify your role in Utah's own community? Well, okay, that's a great question, <clears throat> and this goes back to why have a craft distillery and why do different products. Um. We see this as part of the local culture. So the cultural component is extremely important to us. And one of the reasons we wanted to do new and different products instead of the same is another, you know, grain neutral spirit based vodka. You know, no, no problem with that. I, I love the fact that there's uh, local companies and that they're taking business away from Smirnoff and some other folks. Um, but just like you were saying with beer. You know, there's a cultural component to the idea that you can go to a local brew pub, taste their latest offering, see what the see what the master brewer is doing, and 
you know, those guys are in a way taking you to a different place. Um, the, the majors are starting to imitate this a little bit, mainly do it by buying small breweries. <laughs> but, <clears throat> you know, the, the, the big guys, um, when I was growing up, there were essentially, what, eight or ten beers. Mm-hmm. And they were all, yeah. Blue Ribbon. Yeah, Bud, Blue Ribbon, Hams. Natty Light. Michelob, right. They are all essentially Coors. this Coors. They were the same beer. Those guys didn't innovate into pale ale, stout, no, and if seasonal. you try, yeah, I wonder how many people got laughed out of you know pitch meetings where they're just like, "I've got this thing I tasted, pale ale. I want to try that." It was the small producers that made that cultural impact. Where I'm not only a bud drinker, I'm not just drinking Miller beer. I'm not. There's still tons of people that that's all they do, and that's all they ever probably want to do. Um, but the the magic is where you're like, "Well, I've never even heard of that thing," and you taste it. And you kind of go, okay, I see that there's more of a range and there's more of a set of flavors. It's another reason to break the gin barrier is there's a lot of botanical spirits out there. It's just they don't all have to be juniper based. I I love gin. I am a big gin drinker. I love a whole range of them. But to, to answer your question, I think the most important contribution you can make is that cultural contribution and making it as a local distiller because... Here I am. I'm the guy. You know, you can come and talk to me. You can give me feedback. You can tell me you loved or hated something, and that that dialogue is so what I, will create I think if you can new and interesting part products. Of the culture, uh, for example, the way that um, squatters, right? That's a very Utah thing. That's yeah. a Utah culture thing. Right. It's part of the culture. It's of the culture. Right. People come to Utah. They go to squatters because it's Utah. Yeah. So if you can become something like that and become part of the culture, you're much more than just a distiller. Sounds like he's already part of Chris's culture and he hasn't even tried to. Chris is ready to go. <laughs> yeah. Sign him up. He's, if you want to be my man. This is his, <laughs> this is his groove. So this is really? his background totally music and now. Spice Girls is his jam. And, it, and it's so super you know. cute because if any of you ever look at what Chris looks like while he's singing... You should and see, he me, sings you should see me in the car when this rolls through my Spotify. <laughs> so I... Uh, I, I watched the video on this again the other day, Spice and uh, yes, really the Spice Girl. It's really a video. Is this the one? This is the one that's really catchy, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. 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 I want to. I want to. Yeah, uh-huh. whatever. Yeah. So I got curious <laughs> for some reason because the the really famous one these days is Posh, isn't Posh, it? Posh, yeah, she married to David Beckham. Yeah, right. So go back and watch the video. She and doesn't it's, do anything. She doesn't do anything. No, <laughs> it's not a good video. Yeah. It's, really <laughs> it's almost like they're hiding her. And then she jumps out from behind a wall and does the but, group but dance. But keep in but mind, this was this was the heyday of music videos. This was before MTV mm. really... I mean, the only two non-music video related shows they had was like yeah. The Real World and, and Road Rules at this time. Yeah. And the pioneers of reality television, by the way. Thank you very <laughs> yes, much. Yes, that is true. I mean, they really uh, started yeah. it. Sid, you uh, thought you went off on tangents. <laughs> but, I've got another tangent before <laughs> I'm done. So, <laughs> but that's the... That, that, they were just pumping videos out. Any song that was possibly a hit, they'd pump a video out and they play would. it. And they were freaking terrible. And now, because no one plays videos anymore, videos are... Wrong. Are, MTV's back. I know. In a but, strong way. But over like the last 10 years, like when you find a music video, for the most part, like on YouTube and, and, and Vimo, where they're, they're played a lot, um, they're much more artistic than they were back in the late 90s. I don't know, AHA's take on me. That was a damn fine video. Hey, don't be knocking like, <laughs> what about like Madonna's videos? Hers were pretty cool. 
are you fans of the uh, literal videos? Have you seen any of those? Oh yes. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are those are fantastic. I can't listen to some of those songs without seeing the literal <laughs> or hearing the literal version. What's the big one? The uh, I can't remember. Something. Uh, uh, the eyes. The eyes song. What is oh. I, I'll remember it. In a moment. I'm blanking. Chris out knows it. he's jotting that down. Yeah. Okay, back on track. Yeah. Back on track. Okay, one. The last tangent. Last tangent, and then we've got a yeah. question for you. Alligators. alligators. No, never. Yeah. You were talking about alligators in the last podcast. Mm-hmm. Oh. And someone said... <laughs> Jess is scared of alligators. Someone said, Don't there are no Jess. alligators in Louisiana. They're only be in Chris. Florida. That'd be Chris. That'd be Chris. And that was the one time I was just like, it's what? Yeah, that's a lie. There are sure? totally alligators <laughs> all over look, Louisiana. Look, I co- and I had to say that when I, I corrected came myself. In and your said, house, look, in your car, in your bathtub. I was just going to say they're in your toilet, snapping at your look, butt. Yes, and you were like, why are they bringing has, alligators? Louisiana has Remember swamp how land. you feel about ants? That's how Jess feels about alligators. <laughs> alligators yeah. is reasonable, though, because alligators can actually kill you. Alligators are not. I have never sure. met an alligator in my life. I bet if we introduced you to one, they could kill you. Probably. <laughs> but if you introduce... I mean, they but, do a maneuver but, called... But remember the- our story. Remember yeah. our story of, of of Chris running into the house with a cream of wheat while I had to rescue the rock from the ant. Dude. <laughs> they will engulf your body and eat you alive. So I had a weird experience in Louisiana. This is one of the reasons I know there are a lot of alligators in Louisiana. I've eaten alligator in Louisiana. So uh, yeah, yeah, uh, alligator it's really tail. Good. Deep, it's really, everything's deep fried. But yeah, well, it's Louisiana. So it's I went to a state park. It was down by the coast, and I was was traveling around and got out of my car, and they had a nature walk. So I walked out into what's really kind of the coastal swamp, and <laughs> I get pretty far out. I mean, I think I'm probably a mile out, and it's like on a bank, so it's a little trail above the bank. Is this and where be, you become like my least favorite guest ever by no. telling this story? No, no, no. Okay. <laughs> he does have an alligator at home yeah. though as a pet. And then I, and then I looked <laughs> down, and like two, three feet away from me was an alligator, and he saw me and kind of jumped in the water. Um, but it's sort of like I wasn't. I guess I must have been lost in thought. And I looked around, and there were alligators everywhere. <laughs> oh my! <laughs> I mean, I think there were probably. 20 or 30 <gasps> in the general oh. area I'd walked into. Time to go. <laughs> and it was a moment where, I don't know if you've ever had a moment where you're just like, the the upper brain just stops working and only the little tiny, you know, kernel brain that sits underneath it is the only thing that's working. Flight I had flight. that moment where it's just like, run! It was literally, <laughs> what, have I, what run! have I done? <laughs> you know, I thought for a moment I was dead. The and good then news re- is gators don't move very fast on land. Then I realized... They don't care. Nope. They just don't care. If I were swimming through that canal, sure. Yeah. But just walking, you can walk practically right next to them. They don't care. Why would you want to do that? Well, because they're they're too (laughs) too slow to catch you. And if their mouths aren't already open, like all their power is when their mouths open and snapping closed. Why do you want to walk by ants? You don't. And it takes a big alligator for them to see you as, you know, if you were a chicken, maybe. I mean, they would, they would change their mind and they say, the, the, motivated of, now. <laughs> the videos of the giants catching like water buffalo in the African savannah. Those That's, are crocodiles. I know. Totally different. Mm, crocodiles. They're both are, dinosaurs. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. Just like sea turtles. Yes. All right. So we have one more question. <laughs> <for you. laughs> we have one more question for you. We ask every guest and, and clearly Utah has now become your home. Um, you've been all over the world. Amazingly. Um, 
if if someone was visiting, and I think I already know what the answer to this you? is, but if someone was visiting Utah, maybe and it's not. Maybe you're being assuming. I, I could I could be assuming. You know what I could be making asses out of people. But uh, if if you had to tell someone one thing they had to do in Utah before they left, what would it be? Uh, how much time do they have? It's up to you. They have to do something. They're just they're here visiting, and they have to do it before they leave. Uh, well, I would say going to a place like Canyonlands would probably be, or Capitol Reef would be top of the list because it's just, it's world-class landscape and you don't see anything like that anywhere else. And it's literally one of the most moving landscapes that you can see. It's just you, it's this weird mixture of what seems like the earth has just been made or it's, you know, billions of years old. And, you know, I, I drove into Canyonlands in a storm, in a, in a, two-wheel drive car on the Schaefer Trail when I first came out here. Uh, it was the stupidest thing I ever did. I probably almost you killed myself. You didn't know any better. But it was just the thing that drew me in uh, was the just sheer amazing beauty. Uh, it was just so, so it was moving. Uh, if I if I had less time, I would say just drive up one of the canyons. You know, just drive up Little Cottonwood Canyon. Being here, I'm reminded over and over, particularly as a workaholic that doesn't go out and do things, is that I drive up the canyon. I'm just like, man, this is right here. You know, you just get out, sit by a picnic table, Waterfalls rushing straight. Oh, yeah, right. The trees and mountain goat watching. Mountain goat watching. <laughs> they will scratch their ass on rocks. Yeah. Birds. Uh, you know, I took a short hike just right off the road and, you know, there was a moose or two. You know, it was just. Scary. Yeah. And you're lucky there are no alligators here. Why there are, are no alligators. I'm pretty every wild I'm not really scared of moose. I'm not scared of moose. You that. should be scared of moose. They are moose. I know they, they ran after shit. my aunt and her husband. That's why I'm saying. <laughs> First time scary. I ever saw a moose, it was about five feet from my face and scared the piss out. Yeah, that me. happened to me up in uh, Christmas Meadows, up in the Uintas. Man. Yeah, there's a lot of moose up there. So for me, that's just a. Uh, it's like a miracle at your fingertips. Live in Chicago, Kansas City. You can live in a thousand places, and you do not have access to something like so near the city. Yeah. It's just, it's just it's mind yeah, it's underappreciated. All right, so Alan, how can people get a hold of you, and where can they get your product? Uh, so once again, we're at twenty eighty four West, twenty two hundred South in West Valley City. Um, that's over near Printers Row, Penske Truck Place is nearby. Um, that's where the distillery is. That's the production facility. We also have a store. Do you do tours or are you going to? We're going to do tours after we launch. Gotcha. Yeah, I just want to get a, some kind of infrastructure in place to manage it because we are above all a production facility. So when we're in production, it's, uh, unless you have a little training, it's like, it's not quite safe to be in there because gotcha. we're, we're doing stuff with fire, flamm flammables and fire and alcohol, yeah. you know. And uh, their hoses go in different places, and it's just, yeah, you kind of have to know what you're doing in there. So uh, we'll manage the tours. I don't know exactly when they'll be. It'll be based on our production schedule. Um, but, yes, we will do tours. Um, uh, Facebook, Twitter. We're on Facebook. I think Water Pocket underscore Spirits. We're on Twitter. I think that's Utah DSP 013 um, is... Uh, our Twitter handle, they're all different. I, I know, I'm stupid with marketing. And uh, Water Pocket uh, Spirits is Instagram. And waterpocket.co for the website, right? Yes, yeah. Um, at the time that we purchased the original domain, I think waterpocket.com was a Chinese plastic inflatable bath pillow <laughs> company. Or, you're, never gonna, yeah. you're never getting that domain. No, somebody has since purchased it from them and uh, is now a premium domain. 
for like 10 grand or something. Yeah. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm rolling in money. So yeah, one more good. time, when is your grand opening? June 2nd and 3rd what at time? the distillery from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. So we'll see you Saturday, June 3rd. Good. It'll be fairly informal. We'll probably get some food. Hot dogs we'll, for kids. Yeah. Uh, I don't, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You should make puzzles that have a piece in them. Yeah. No kids. Um, yeah. So it'll be, you know, see the equipment, meet us, do a tasting, <laughs> learn about the products. Um, that's another thing I'm famous for, me and kids. <laughs> well alan we really appreciate the thank time. you very much um, for coming oh this has been a delight thank you so much and i hope that some we can get to know each other hey, more you start making those schnapps yeah i'm gonna be like at your store all the time yeah, we'd love to come do a tour and maybe do do a show there live you know me now so live as podcast guys and yeah. i've been stalking you for months so we're yeah. good yeah. thank you for reaching out this You're has welcome. been great this is fun thank you, thank you. Yeah. all right well i think that's gonna do it for tonight uh, it's been a little bit longer than normal, but, uh, thanks for sticking with us. And, uh, thanks again to Alan from, uh, water, water distillery. <laughs> I'm like, look, I've had, at you've this had point, a bit of that whiskey. I've had most of that. I'm really whiskey. excited to hear about you going and getting some of stuff. I'm so. re- that's, I mean, seriously, it sounds like an amazing flavor pro- profile. And I like that he wants to build a relationship with us. Yeah, I it's do too. Really cool. That's so cool. If I want to try the snops, the other snops stuff that they start samples developing. Samples are cool. Samples are good. So um, go visit them. They again June second and third is when they're going to do a grand opening. Probably the only place you're going to be able to get it for a little bit. Um, From the sounds of it, they're a few months out before they're going to. Even be in if the they get the approval the first of June or in they're July, probably talking like beginning of the fall. Yeah, you're you're probably talking like well, September. Before because even once they get the approval, it's going to take a little while before it actually goes. Yeah, that's what I'm store. saying. That's why I'm yeah. thinking like so September. So the DABC probably. just um, brought in um, Madame Petrini's gin. So that means that their third for that won't be for for quite yeah, a few more so months. So it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a bit, but you can still because they they have the the license to do it. You can actually go buy it directly from them. Again, June second and June third. Uh, the address is right here Next in front to of the me. Penske truck twenty eighty four West twenty two hundred South in West Valley. It's right off the two hundred one. Um, like you're heading to the airport, Printers Row. No, not really. Not like you're heading to the airport. The airport's much further west than that. It's off a of banger. You still have to go there, though. But yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. Uh, so I hope you guys enjoyed the show. If you like us, come uh, chat with us on Facebook, uh, the New Utah Podcast, at TNU Podcast on Twitter. Let us know what's going on. If you guys have an event you want us to talk about, if you want to be on the show, uh, if you do something cool, if you found something cool in Utah you want us to talk about, we love talking about Utah. It's what we're all about. Um, you can go to thenewutah.wordpress.com to read our blog, Jess posts, lots of fun shit, uh, all the links on the news articles we talk about, um, other random shit Jess likes to throw down. The stuff people like. The, the people's one thing. She'll, yeah, the one repost things are always there. Really cool. um, so anyway, uh, if you like us, uh, share, please. That's what helps us more than anything. Uh, share the episodes. Leave us a review on iTunes or Stitcher if you want. And uh, yes, I know, there's fucking alligators and then you can't get Good night. <laughs>